Hi, and welcome back to Chaco Disaster. I'm Chorpsaway. And I'm Jordan. <gasps> That's right, Jordan's back after his long stint in Spain. He's still working as anime ambassador, but he's found some free time to talk to us while Future Friend is busy moving his house, Howl's Moving Castle style. Yeah. Through the, through the, over the skies of the Netherlands. Exactly. All over Europe, he's moving his house and finally gonna rest somewhere. So for now, we've got Jordan here to talk about our our views so far, our opinions on the spring 2016, 2016 election. Yeah, that's right. But the anime season as well. Okay. We'll do that a, a little bit at the end. Yeah, we, we, can, we can do that. But before we start talking about our mid-season reviews, let's talk some news. Okay. Talk news to me. <laughs> but, um, okay, so first off, something that came out um, a while ago was that, like, you know how um, Kamori-san Can't Decline, we talked about that, and it was, uh, like, co-produced by Crunchyroll. Right. Crunchyroll now has a partnership with Katakawa Pictures, uh, and a partnership that means that they are they have exclusive access to Katakawa anime outside of Asia for all of next year. Okay, that's a lot of anime. Yeah, because Katakawa produces a lot. I don't know how much that really like encapsulates. I don't know if that's all of the things Katakawa has hands in, or just the things that it has like primary hold on. Yeah. But uh, also will be co-producing, so they'll be putting some money into those as well. Okay. And that's... So, potentially that's a huge amount. Yeah, that's a huge get. Yeah. Totally. So, so that's uh, that's exciting to see that, like, there are these big sort of deals going on to get anime into the hands of uh, us Americans. And yeah. not, not Well, really, just the, uh, the non-Asian audience. Because we had that a little bit, too, because, like... Um, my Hero Academia has, uh, or Funimation has My Hero Academia's, like, exclusive rights for merchandising and basically everything in terms of how they handle that for the West. Yeah. And there's also, uh, Adult Swim was responsible for funding the second season of Space Dandy, and now the second and third seasons of Fooly Cooly. That's right. And also, like, Amazon's exclusive, starting with, like, Prime stuff, uh... Like, they have um, Cabinary of the Iron Fortress, and they also have... Oh, so that's where the, that was. I didn't yeah, really and they know. have the latest um, Kamen Rider series as oh, well. Oh, okay. Huh. Uh, t- titled, oddly enough, uh, Kamen Rider Amazons. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, there's that. But yeah, so it seems like there are a lot more just deals going on between companies, which could lead to, I mean, just like the better production of certain shows and better access to it. Yeah. I'm not, could be I'm not really sure how to feel about that, because on one hand, it's it has kind of an air to it of, like, oh, Ameri- the, Amer- an American media invasion of Japan, and I don't know if I like that idea. But I don't know I'm, how much of a hand they're really going to have in it. As, like, producers, I feel like they're basically just going to be throwing money at it. That's true, and that's why I'm, I'm not, like, super bothered by that, but it has that air of it. So yeah, I, really I can know. get that. Like, it might start to push a boundary, sort of. Like, I'm sure 2chan is really mad at this right now. Oh, absolutely. But they're mad all the time anyway, so. Right. So uh, okay. But also, like, on the on the positive end of it, you know, the animation, the Japanese animation industry is one that struggles with finances all the time. Oh, so absolutely. On, so on that, on that end, having new money come in is just a good thing. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. It's, it's, it, it seems like this is a positive in terms of just general, like, industry stuff. Absolutely. And actually, speaking of, uh, the Amazon starting to get into, like, anime streaming, they've also started offering a video-only subscription plan. Okay. So, instead of having to have Amazon Prime membership, which is, like, $11 a month, they're now allowing people to do a monthly subscription rate specifically just for video stuff. Do they call it Amazon Voltron? No, I wish. Oh. But uh the Amazon Prime Video monthly rate is, I think, $9 a month. And they have exclusive streaming rights to uh, a specific, like, Fuji TV's programming block. So that's about one anime a season, maybe two. Okay. So doing the monthly subscription, I think, makes more sense because you can follow the shows you care about. And then when they're not showing up, you don't have to worry about spending all this money on Amazon Prime. Is it nine bucks a month more than you pay, or like when that totals up to a year? Isn't that more than you pay for a year of Prime? Because Prime is one hundred fifty dollars, right? Prime is it's a hundred for a full year. Okay. Or it's eleven dollars a month. All right. With this, it's nine dollars a month specifically for video, so it does end up. Oh, I know that would end up more expensive. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, so I guess that's specifically there in case you're like, oh, I just care about this one season's show. So you spend, you know, $27 instead of, you know, however, you know, 100 But I guess depending on how dedicated you are to the shows that they're bringing out, it might actually make more sense just to go for Amazon Prime. Yeah. Oh, well. So it's, it's weird. I, I realized that after doing the math. Like, I thought, oh... You know, that makes a lot of sense, but it doesn't because it turns out years have 12 months. At first I thought it, I make, it made that. sense because I didn't know you could get Prime monthly. But if you can, then it's like, well, you save two bucks and you miss out on all kinds of great deals. Yeah, because you get like, because uh, you end up with like better shipping. You get the, uh, you get various discounts. Yeah, if you're watching new stuff, so. Let's be honest. If you're watching anime, you're probably also playing video games and you get like 15% <laughs> off pre-orders on video games with Prime. Yeah, which is pretty sweet, so, yeah, I That's don't know. That's really good. Yeah. Oh, well. The, the option is there, and I feel like maybe they should reduce that price a bit. Yeah. Maybe. But, I mean, it, it probably also isn't just for, you know, anime watchers. They could be watching, you know, like, American TV, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I forget that exists, but it does. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, other business news is that uh, Katakawa now has also done a business deal with Yen Press. Okay. And has acquired 51% state in Yen Press. So they now wow. have a position in the North American manga market. That's a lot. Which I think means that they're going to start doing a lot more pushing of their manga series as well into the West. Finally, ba Battleship Girls... Manga is going to get a Western release. Thank God. Because I think... I think they also have, like, the Dengeki family. Like, uh, yes. your, your Sword Art Online's, your your things like that. So they have a lot of stuff under their... Because Katakawa is huge. Yeah. So the fact that they're making these huge pushes to kind of just, like, shove more media into the West is interesting. I think this is really interesting because Yen Press has already... 
is like slowly becoming bigger than Viz, or at least their the size of their catalog is. Mm-hmm. And with this, like it's going to make it even bigger. So like Yempress might actually push Viz out of the way at, as the biggest publisher of manga in the West at this rate. That's weird. Yeah. Isn't like Tokyo Pop trying to come back too? Oh, it is, but that's, that's- like. I mean, yeah, Tokyo Pop has never been as big as those, but it's just like, that was also a weird thing in the world of manga. Yeah. And then there's also Dark Horse, who tried... Yeah, Dark Horse sort of tries sometimes. They have, like, a couple of big IPs, but none that really, like, get published anymore. Like, Trigun and Helsing are, I think, both... Yeah, they kind of just pick some stuff up, and then we're just, like, done with it. I don't know. They publish art books a lot, so that's nice, at least, but... Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, one last bit of, like, news sort of in this angle. Uh-huh. Um, Nipponichi Software, I- America, is no longer going to publish Atlas games in Europe. And at the same time, Atlas is no longer going to distribute Nipponichi Software America titles in America. Apparently, there's been some kind of, like, rift between them as t- in terms of, like, equal partnerships when it comes to uh, handling each other's games yeah. when uh, bringing them to the market. So they've just completely cut ties with each other. That probably has something to do with Atlas being bought out by Sega Sammy. Oh, did that happen? Yeah, a while ago. Like, last year, I think. Oh, it does point that out in here. Is like, after they bought out by Sega, they started cherry-picking publishing partners in the Europe. So, yeah, Nor- uh, Nipponichi's kind of just cut themselves off from Atlas, and Atlas has done the same on the other end. But I feel like that, because, like, the things that kind of lose out on that are, like, Etrian Odyssey games. Because, mm-hmm. like, the Untold series came out of um, NIS America bringing Atlas games to the Europe, to Europe. Right. And also, like, Persona 4 Golden and Persona Q and stuff like that. And I think also Odin Sphere? Maybe. Yeah, I think the Odin Sphere re-release is being handled that way. And it's been stated that um, that's not going to be affected. It's just okay. everything after what they already have planned. All right. So Persona Five as well, or oh, I guess that um, doesn't have that. That is, is technically Persona not Five even doesn't even have a release date for yeah. America, let alone Europe. Yeah. Have fun playing it in 2018. I, I this, guess this is super worrying because Atlas is already like really bad about releasing games in Europe. Like, just impressively you- bad, which is weird. That seems like a weird thing like in the yeah. modern era, yeah. And that was like under the wing of Nipponichi, I guess. And now they're going to either do it themselves or let their like upper management at Sega handle it. And Sega's even worse about releasing games in <laughs> Europe because they just don't do it. <laughs> uh, huh. Man. And I bet, I'll bet you they'll region lock Persona 4 or Persona 5 like they did with the fighting game. Oh, you think so? Oh, that's awful. <laughs> I hope not. That's weird, because, like, region locking has basically just stopped being a thing. Yeah, that was, like, one of two games last generation that was region locked. The other being John Woo's Stranglehold, because it game came with a movie. Okay. I mean, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough on that one. But also, wait, like, both the fighting games? Uh, the first version, I think. Just, just Ultimax. Yeah, well, Ultimax came out in time here, I think, so. Okay. Well, I mean, all right. Yeah, but Dancing All Night sure didn't. Oh, what? That's messed up. Yeah, we only That's got That's the most that. important part of the Persona 4 canon. I think that came out in, like, January. 
Jeez. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, just a weird business thing that popped up. Uh, Gainax is getting into growing uh, tomatoes. <laughs> All right. They've just decided they're going to have an offshoot company in the vicinity of one of their uh, uh, animation studios that just grows organic tomatoes. Sure. I mean, hey, if the if the if the money make if the numbers make sense, then why not? Yeah, I mean, sure. And they're producing like different tomatoes with different sugar content for whatever reason. It's weird. It's just a weird thing that popped up. It's like, oh, Gainax is getting into organic produce. Yeah. This. Tomatoes is, like, a weird thing with Japan, because they also had that, like, invention of, like, the the robot backpack that would, like, feed you tomatoes. Yeah. Did you, you saw that, right? Yes. It's such a weird thing. Uh. Why this? But, yes, I don't know. It, this story reminded me of that, and just, like, huh, there is a thing about tomatoes. I mean, I like me a tomato, but, like, jeez. Get in the greenhouse, Shinji. <laughs> uh, let's see, some quick stuff. Uh, Kingdom Hearts series is getting an orco- orchestral concert world tour next year. Yeah. Which seems pretty cool. I guess part of, part is like hype for Kingdom Hearts 3, which is coming out maybe next year? No, it's not coming out next year. Oh, did they confirm that? Uh, there was a, um, uh, a, I don't remember what it was, what it was called. It was some kind of forecast where, they said Kingdom Hearts 3 would not be coming out this fiscal year, so it's going to be after March 31st, 2017. Okay. Yeah. So they said that within this fiscal year. Yes. Okay. Then I guess this maybe is just like a bonus, because man, we've been waiting forever. Yeah. Well, yeah, 2.8 2. Well, is still coming out this year. Well, it's happening in 2017, so I mean, oh, I guess right. this could still be. Yeah, yeah, this is next year. And even the concert has a weird name. Yeah, it's King. It's Kingdom Hearts concert first breath. Yeah, <laughs> but that's just the, that's just the Japanese run, right? And the international run has a different name. Or something? I think it's just called Kingdom Hearts Orchestra World. Okay, Tour. and that's gonna hit like Tokyo, Paris, London, Singapore, Shanghai, L.A., New York. So not so like kind of a small world tour, but also it's an orchestra. It's understandable. Yeah. But it seems like uh, like a big thing kind of to start building up that stuff. And also it uh, allows you to do a meet and greet with uh, Yoko Shimomura. And that's the, cool. Um, which is pretty neat. little bonus to uh, to be able to meet the composer behind the music. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like a neat thing. Uh, Kingdom Hearts always has had pretty good music. Totally. And so it's exciting that they're doing another tour. Because they did this, oh, I think, a while ago. Yeah. And now that finally 3's coming out. Here we go. Whoa. Touring about as often as Daft Punk. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, so they announced the Danganronpa 3 anime, which is happening this summer. Right. And they've announced that it's going to be split up into two arcs. A One that does the story of Danganronpa 2 and one that does the proper Danganronpa 3 story. Okay. And they're going to be airing simultaneously. Huh. So, two episodes of the Danganronpa 3 anime premiere every week, one that takes place in the past, and one that takes place in the future. That sounds about right for a Danganronpa adaptation, actually. That just, it just seems like such a weird <laughs> thing. You gotta keep that brand ubiquity alive. Because I think, if I understand correctly, Danganronpa 3 
the anime is not related to Danganronpa 3, the game. Oh, it's a different story. I, as far as I understand, I believe that it is a different story. Like, this is, this is the encapsulating story of the, like, Hope's Peak Academy story that, like, the first game was based on. Alright. Just like an epilogue to the first game. Yeah. Alright. And so, then the the third game is just the third game, I think. Yeah. Which is just a separate thing. So, I don't know. It's weird. Dungeon Rope is weird as a series. (laughs) They make some weird decisions sometimes. Yeah. Uh, uh, quick lightning round of news, just quick stuff. Um, Sega's co-developing films based on the Shinobi game series. Huh. And also, they plan to do, uh, a whole bunch with other Sega franchises. I think specifically they've announced, um, Crazy Taxi. Uh, Rise of Nightmares, which is one I, I'm not actually familiar with at all. Streets of Rage. Are you sure? Al- Altered Beast? Alright. Uh, Virtual Fighter. Sure. Yeah, that could Golden work. Axe. Hmm. Those are weird the- picks. Sega has yeah. way better picks for things to make movies out of. Yeah, they've announced that it's, they're, they're either going to be live action or animated projects. Oh, alright. That makes a little more sense then. And Shinobi is the first one on that list, and they haven't announced whether or not it's going to be animated or it's going to be live action. I would guess live action for that one. Yeah, probably. Um, so, uh, Osamatsu-san, super popular anime uh, from the last two seasons. Yeah. To Everyone's super into these uh, horrible, horrible brothers. <laughs> to the point where they're releasing... An otome romance game based on these characters. Oh my god. And they're releasing eight versions of the game. Oh, one for every brother? Six, one for each brother. Uh Uh-huh. One standard edition. And a super special edition. So each of the ones specifically for a brother... Yeah. ...have a cloth poster of them, Uh. an illustration booklet, four keychains... No, sorry, eight keychains, four acrylic, four ten, and a mini tote bag corresponding to the brother. Wow. And, like, all the different designs and illustrations and stuff are based on that brother. And then they have a super limited edition, which is one for all of them. And also comes with, like, a drama CD and wallpapers. (laughs) Okay, so, the like, the super edition comes with all the stuff from the individual editions. Oh, no, it comes with its... Sorry, no, it comes with its own poster... Set of keychains and stuff. It's not everything that comes with the super spe- the ones for each brother. Okay, so but there are still so eight editions coming out. So what's the normal version then? Does that just come with nothing? Just a extra? game. All right. Okay, I'm with you. Just a game. But yeah, so that's that. Um, and no idea on the release date, but eight versions are coming for it. So watch out. Jeez. As far as I know, the game's no different. It's just <laughs> all the stuff, all the swag you get from it. Pokemon's got nothing on this. <laughs> that's that's wild, man. <laughs> it is. Uh Adult Swim is picking up Gundam Iron Blooded Orphans. Okay. Uh just in just in time for the um by the time they finish, the next season of it will be starting up in fall. Because it's a twenty five episode thing. So that's their new acquisition. Are they doing another Iron Blooded Orphans? Uh Iron Blooded Orphans is getting a second part, basically. Right, okay. Yeah. Alright. So that's what's going on. Yeah, they've got a dub being produced, um, 
So I guess that's what's going to be airing. And I mean, hey, they because uh, they they've started doing sort of the like recent picks. They did uh, Dimension W. Yeah, I think that's like, interesting because it's been a long time since Gu- anyone's really tried to push Gundam in the West in a Western market. Yeah. yeah. Like, they kind of still push Gunpla, but they really haven't ever tried to push a series. Yeah, like, not since G Gundam, basically. Which well, doesn't no, they, count. Cause, well, because they did, like, Wing, they did Seed. Did they do the Build Fighters? No, they never pushed Build Fighters oh, in the West. Like, the, blue, the Blu-rays that they're going to release are going to have a dub to them. Okay. But I don't think they've actually tried to push that series at all in the West. They should have done it, man. The time's yeah, hot right now. LBX is over. Do it. Uh, yeah, plus, it's, like, good. <laughs> no, here's, like, the thing about Gundam Build Fighters is just, like, some kids play with Gunpla, and they kind of ignore the, like, whole, like, war sort of thing that, like, right. permeates. It's just, like, some kids play with Gundams, and they get to just, like, put all the, their favorite guns on them. Is Gundam Build Fighters the good one, or is Gundam Build Fighters try the good one? I think everyone agrees that the first season's better because it has a smaller cast. Alright, sure. I'm, like, halfway through the first season. I'm slowly murking my way through it. All right. It's pretty cool. Uh, a guy from Spain tries to hit on a lady by being like, I built this Gundam for you <laughs> while I was at this other cafe table. And then she swoons. It's great. Whoa. And I all like, that it's, 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 it's very Yu-Gi-Oh-esque in that a lot of domestic problems are solved with the Gundam <laughs> fighting. Like, a, <laughs> a businessman takes a car and crashes it into a hotel so that he can try to, like, uh, um intimidate this woman into selling her, like, hotel business so that he can take the land for it. Yeah. And he ends up, like, gu- uh, Gundam fighting with a kid over who does who gets to own this, this oh, land. Oh, that's lovely. No, it's great. Ugh. Beatamon needed more of that. The only thing they ever did in that is use the Beatamon as gun allegories. What the heck? Yeah. Alright, and one last bit of news. Um, a... A company... That it worked on a skirt project called the Light Up Hikaru skirt, which basically is just like they have like LEDs on the inside. All right. So, but wait, is the purpose of that to make it look like your shirt, your skirt has an underglow? The the, the quote on it is: it claims to turn the absolute territory, which is the spot between where a skirt ends and the stockings begin. Yes, thanks for reminding me. Into the territory where sunshine filters through the trees. That is the only quote I can find on the purpose of this thing. Oh man, my also underglow- was used for also was used for like an idol group's music video. My underglow idea sounded way cooler. Yeah, it certainly does. But this idea, the, the second thing they're doing, much cooler. Okay, it's called arm skirt, and so outside of the uh, so on the inside of the skirt pop out two robotic arms. Sweet. So, the idea behind this enhancement is that they can be controlled via remote control, they can hold small items, and they're also supposed to be used by the user to, like, uh, support them, like, to protect them if they fall, oh. and also to protect them, because you can also just, like, knock the shit out of people with them. <laughs> no. Which seems like, uh, that seems like a weird idea to start, but, like, the intentions are good, and they're, like, small enough that they don't, like, puff out a skirt or seem like they would be uncomfortable to have on your body. Okay, but so, do, I mean, do they work, like, re- reactionary? Because you can't exactly remote control your way out of falling in time. Not positive. They basically just have, like, production things set up. They haven't, oh, okay. like, done a, done an actual presentation on them. Okay. But yeah, so that's that. And that's all the news I had. <laughs> well, it was good. What, 
I was yeah, all good th- news. Yeah, those were some good newses. Yeah. And so, now that we're done with that, let's talk about what the people really came here for. The new stars Our election picks. Oh, okay. <laughs> They're all good, damn it. Yeah, all of them. All the Pokemon. Yeah. But let's talk about anime. Okay. I guess. Yeah, sure. So, uh, we're gonna, so the way we're gonna do this is we're gonna kind of just go down our list, talk about the shows, and say, like, kind of where we are in the series so that you know where our, per, like, our beliefs are coming from, our, uh, <laughs> our beliefs. Our beliefs. Our, our current opinion of the show is coming from because you might hear this after more episodes air. Yeah, probably, in fact. Yeah, a- a- almost entirely likely. Every four episodes, a new anime comes out. It's fucked up. It is. So, first up on the list is Joker Game. Yeah. And so, uh, we, at the time of this recording, we're currently up to episode six. And that's where you know. You dropped off this really quick. Yes. Jordan. Right after episode one. So, the, the conceit behind this show is basically that a, um, in, at the eve of World War II, Japan decides to start a spy training organization known as the D-Agency. And basically, the story is just about uh, their time out in the world as they kind of try to manipulate things in the midst of World War II. It is spy action sort of series. It's just World War II trappings with spies in it. Yeah. And so you jumped off this really early. Tell me about why. Um, well, it wasn't that I thought it was bad, even though I didn't th- think it was particularly good either, but it just hit a lot of really wrong marks for me really early. Um, okay. I thought, like, the first half of the episode was okay. So, uh, to point out, first two episodes are still in school. They are still it being trained. Yeah. And, go ahead, sorry. Um, so we're in this training facility, and we see a bunch of the main characters uh, playing poker with each other. And then they start explaining that they're not really playing poker, or well, they are, but there's a, a larger metagame around it that basically involves using the other people that are in the room that aren't playing poker to sort of, like, help you cheat. And that's the titular Joker game, I guess. And there was just this really bizarre sense of self-importance about this game that had no properly set rules and didn't really make sense, and that just immediately rubbed me the wrong way. Okay. Yeah. But that was basically just, like, a bigger metaphor for the conflict of the first two episodes. Yeah. Which is basically a, uh, an American has kind of set up a home there. He's, like, a big Japanophile. And he has he's a not- great voice. Yeah, he's, he, oh, he's got a great, he, there, something about recent animes that they've gotten really good at faking the <laughs> American-Japanese <laughs> accent. Yeah. And I think that's fantastic. Yeah, totally. Because it works really well for these, like, blonde, sort of, like, big, buff, white dudes that they're supposed to be. It's like, you have this sense that they sound foreign. Yeah. And that's great. They did a good job. Even the English was pretty good. Yeah, it was. But, um, so they think that this guy's uh, an American spy who's been collecting information. And so they send, as, like, a test, the entire spy organization, including... Uh, someone from the Imperial Japanese Army who's not a spy and kind of hates them because he thinks wow. they're cowards to kind of infiltrate his house and figure out if they can find 
whatever he's uh, whatever he's taken yeah. as far as information intel, and um, it's basically like a bit. It's it ends up being a huge like um, series of back and forth gambits because it turns out the army has already infiltrated this dude's house. Yeah, the previous day, in fact, and didn't find anything. So the guy who's leading this Imperial Army um, soldier basically sends him in to, like, take the fall for this. Yeah. Because it there, it ends up becoming, like, okay, if we can't find anything, uh, this dude's going to commit hard carry right in front of you. Oh, I thought so, the person that said that was another one of the spies. It was one of the spies who right. was kind of, like, playing that. I don't know how far the allegiances go, but, like, one of the spies, like, yeah, this dude will commit hard carry if they don't find anything. Because basically they know that this dude is a spy. Yeah. And the entire thing is we need to figure out what he's doing to avoid being caught. And base and it and I think the interesting part is it plays into sort of heavy parts of the Japanese culture at the time. Because mm-hmm. it turns out that he's hiding everything behind a um like a portrait of the uh imperial leader of Japan at the time. Oh, okay. And it's basically like a sacrilege to remove that from your wall. Uh uh-huh. So he's figured this out, and he uses that to hide things. But because the spies, like, are very clearly put out to be, like, they have no real, like... Moral grounds. Moral grounds. They they will do whatever it takes for their country to succeed. They're just willing to take it down, and they catch the dude. Nice. And that's kind of how it builds out. And then after that, it's kind of builds out into, they've been placed among the world. Here are a series of vignettes about what it's like for them, both pre and during World War II as they try to, like, gather intel. Alright. And what did you think of it? I'm... It's weird. It's weird, but I like it. Okay. Because um, I think the way it tells stories is kind of strange, just kind of like, there's no real connection behind them. Though Episode 6 hints at kind of like a larger plot coming. Alright. So, after Episode 2, basically it's just like, um... They start doing a a post-credits sort of, like, frame story that I think is kind of cool and maybe could have played into the narrative better. Uh Which is basically, like, these characters will occasionally, like, meet up at a bar and drink and talk about the things they've been getting up to. Yeah. And I wish that played into the narrative more instead of just being, like, a post-credits sort of, like, teaser thing. Yeah. That could be, like, like, a good mid-season episode. Yeah, and so there's, um... There's just, like, this sense of kind of political intrigue and occasionally sort of spy thriller stuff. Like, the first couple are kind of pre-war, very early war, so not a lot is happening. Yeah. And then episode five and six are more James Bondish, I uh, guess. All right. So, like, the, the the weird thing about this series is I feel like it's not trying to portray this as, like, noble or, like, good in the eyes of Japan. It is just... These are the things that happened, or these are things that would have happened in a more dramatic version of World War II. Yeah. There's no sort of apologism, there's no sort of, like, touching on these kinds of, like, dangerous topics around World War II with Japan. Okay. It's just, here are some stories about spies doing spy things. I wonder if that was different in the book, because the author is, like, a super progressive, left-leaning individual. Yeah, I don't know, because I, the, the, from what I can tell, at least, that author definitely wouldn't deal with, like, uh, you know, handling sort of, like, this imperialism sort of thing. Yeah, or I wouldn't put it in a positive light, at least. Yeah, so, it's a very, 
it's a neutral ground meant only to be exciting for the reader. Yeah. Very James Bond-esque. And so, like, there, it's just, like, weird sorts of episodes. Like, episode three is basically, like, pre-war, just, like, intel gathering in terms of, like, kind of who's on the resistance and who's kind of fed into sort of the early German takeover. Okay. And kind of uh the spy ends up meeting with the resistance and kind of working with them for a bit. It's kind of like these small character stories that end up popping up. So it's not pre-war, but it's before Japan joined the war. Yes. Okay. And I think episode four, it's kind of jumps around. Episode four, I think, jumps into when Japan starts the war. This right. takes place in China, and it's kind of about the kind of lengths they go to to sort of undermine the Chinese army during that time. Okay. And kind of, like, exposing sort of these, like, corrupt officials to sort of, like, make people believe in them less. Hmm. There are a lot of interesting stories going on within these plots, but it seems weird that they're spy-esque, because the spies really don't end up showing up much in 3 or 4, or the huh. spy things don't happen much. Okay. But episode 5 is literally just, um, one of the spies gets captured by British intelligence and is basically, like, forced to betray his country, and then it's a huge, like, sort of, like, escape, uh, escape sequence. Huh, alright. Like, the whole thing is the dude breaking out of British intelligence. Cool. And they, they, they do it a weird thing with, I think, a lot of the characters, which is to kind of differentiate them depending on what nationality they are. Yeah. Because they have kind of the, the rote standard sort of anime look for these Japanese characters. Mm-hmm. But the Chinese characters all have markedly darker skin. You can tell the you can tell which characters are American just by like their hair colors. They don't do anything like super flashy about that. And they have the British, which are kind of like I I don't know like the the main villain I guess villain the yeah. the British intelligence leader has like this weird like bulbous head like it very <laughs> much stands out because it's so unlike the other ones where everything is very kind of based in this sort of realism. Yeah. Kind of, they they stylize it a lot. And I feel like it's supposed to play up the exaggerations of these particular traits. Sure. I think episode six, honestly, has been the best one so far. Because it's, um... It's, it's, it's a train heist, basically. That's always good. Like, uh, Spy is on the train to, um, to get information from, basically, a, a guy who's, um, betraying, uh, Russia for information on the war so that he can get out of the country and get money. Yeah. And it turns out that the dude is dead. Someone stole the intel. And so it's about the spy using, you know, like people on the train and other things about what's going on to figure out the mystery. All right. Mystery is like a weird way to put it too, because there's not enough time for you to really mull over what's going on. It's just the unknown. Yeah, it's just kind of things are unknown, and then they're revealed to you, and it all makes sense in retrospect. Okay. Which I think is fine for this series, because it's supposed to be more of a thriller, it's like a spy action thing. Right. The point is not so much that, oh, what's really going on? It's basically you just want to watch the dudes do cool spy things. That's not the impression I got from the first two episodes yeah, at it's all. A, which it's were... a really, that's why it's a really weird show to me. Yeah. It starts out not on its worst foot, I think. 
but it starts out on a foot that does not translate to the rest of the series. Yeah, because it's like a super slow burn for the first, or at least the last half of the first episode and then the rest of the second episode. Yeah, because it's just one mystery that takes up two episodes, and the rest of these are single mysteries that take up one episode. Yeah. And so it's just like, it's really strange that they how they handled it, but I'm enjoying my time with it. It's It's kind of just like dumb fun. Yeah. And done, like, really well. Like, Production IG is doing fantastic in terms of the art direction. Yeah. They always do good work. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been enjoying it a lot. I I can understand why those first two episodes may have burned you on it. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's just, it's just so different from everything else that it ends up doing. I wonder if maybe it would have been a better idea to put those episodes in the middle as a flashback. Yeah, maybe. And maybe try to find some other kind of, like, opening to it. Yeah. But by the end of episode six, it seems like the Japanese Imperial Army is not happy with using this spy intel and kind of stuff like that. Okay. So it seems to imply that there's going to be a bigger plot. Oh, all right. Where they're trying to, like, take down the D-Agency and maybe kill all the spies. We're done with the Monster of the Week episodes and the real... Maybe. ...those season's villains showed up. Yeah, maybe. Because so far it's just been, like, vignettes of, like, here's what's happening in the world at these particular times in, you know, history. Which, maybe this would hit me more if I knew more about history and kind of the goings-on of World War II. Yeah. Like, Future Friend probably gets more out of this than anyone else. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's neat. It's neat, and I feel like it's building to something that is going to be better than the sum of its current parts. Okay. Because if it turns into just, like, spies versus army sort of, like, intrigue, that could be really neat. Sure. Maybe I'll pick it up again when it's all, when it's over and I can watch it. Yeah, maybe just kind of like look around, maybe just like jump into any of these four episodes and see if it is more interesting to you. All right. Because yeah, the first two episodes aren't exactly indicative of what it's like because they don't work as a team right now. It's just they're being pushed into different countries and doing their jobs. Yeah. So yeah. All right. All right. Next up, I'm going to talk about Phoenix Wright. Oh, that's what this is. All right. Yeah, Ace Attorney. Yeah, you wrote you wrote down the Japanese name, so I wasn't sure what the hell this was. Yeah, sorry. Let me refer to it as Ace Attorney because yeah. the uh, the the people at Crunchyroll have been nice enough to make alternative subs for the show. Uh huh. Which uh, instead of using the Japanese names and the romanization of those, they use all the the game names. And also, all the games changes. Yeah, they they just localize it, and I think that's really nice. Yeah. Um, some people are mad about that but that's because they steal the anime and don't get a choice of subtitles. So forget that. You know what? Fuck them. But, uh, but I think it's a really nice touch that they recognize that a lot of the fans who are going to be watching this are people who, you know, did the localized, you know, did the localized version. Yeah. So, you know, you're not going to know who Ryunouchi, uh, you know, uh, Naruhoto is. You're going to know who Phoenix Wright is. You're not going to know what sushi is. Right. You don't know what ramen is. You need to eat hamburgers. You don't know where Tokyo is. Exactly, Japanifornia. But um, <laughs> but like even the uh, even like the Japanese musicals for Phoenix Wright use the localized names when it gets subbed, or like even... no, just in general. Like oh, that's you weird. can watch you can watch unsub the musicals and they refer to him as like Nick. Oh, that's weird. Yeah, right. I guess the, the English audience for these games is just way bigger. It might be, huh? Or because I fe- I mean like. That might be because we, I think, ended up getting all the, like, best versions. We didn't get, like, the Game Boy Advance ones. Yeah, that's right. Because it, it's a lot longer than would be expected, but that's because a lot of the stuff ended up getting ported to DS. 
Yeah. And brought over. But also just like they have uh some of like I think a lot of people agree some of the best localizations. Yeah, they do. And so I think that benefits the series as a whole that they did these alternate subs. But Ace Attorney as an anime it started out kind of weak because it was a very dry sort of characterless run through of the first bit. I've heard that they use all the most like straightforward uh like solutions, I guess, or ways things play yeah, out they, from the games. They don't fumble much. Yeah. And the fumbles that they do do are um basically story forced. Yeah. No, but what I mean is they use all the like the least interesting paths from the game basically. Uh, that, yeah, but I I feel like that's because I feel like it's gotten better as time has gone on. Okay. So we're at episode 7 of Ace Attorney. It just finished the third case of the first game. Okay. And to start out, it was very dry. Uh, I saw a lot of people comparing it to the movie, which was not particularly faithful, but was a but lot extremely more... good. Yeah, super stylish. Yeah. While this one, not as stylish, but extremely <laughs> faithful. Okay. Like, you could, like, a lot of people complain that the animation is very, um. Bad. Yes. But, like, also just very stiff. Okay. And, like, especially in the opening, which got solved somewhere around episode four, they actually went back and, like, re edited some terrible run cycles. Huh. (laughs) Okay. But I think as it's gone on, it started to take advantage of what the anime medium has to offer. All right. Which is something it really didn't take advantage of earlier. So, like, th- things that characterize the people in the show more start showing up. Like, there's a whole point where, like, there's a big dramatic scene as, like, um, Phoenix decides he's going to be Maya's attorney in the second case. Yeah. And it- it's, like, this, it's much more dramatic because he's, like, run through the rain to get there. And he's got, he's got, like, kind of cherry petals still, like, stuck to his suit because of the rain. Uh-huh. And, like, this thing that shows that he's got this real dedication, and then they both bow to each other as they decide to work together, and they both hit the glass between them in the interrogation <laughs> room. Like, there's just, there are little moments like that that really help. And as it's gone on, it's really started to take advantage of, like, recontextualizing some of the scenes. Like, when they talk to people, it doesn't have to be in that same sort of ask a question, get an answer get a new question to ask sort of thing. Yeah. It becomes a much more natural conversation. They find ways to kind of streamline the sort of like walking back and forth to get, you know, certain cues to pop up for the game. Right. It's just, there are just like some really nice choices they started making in terms of adaptations, but it is still definitely just like more or less an animated let's play. (laughs) (laughs) Like it is, you you are getting the purest form of the story you can without playing the games. Okay, I'm actually surprised that they didn't go for like, like obviously like some parts of the game still have to be in there, but yeah, uh, I guess I'm surprised that they're keeping stuff in that wasn't sort of part of the overarching plot in Ace Attorney, like stuff that basically doesn't really move <clears throat> the characters forward. Yeah, and I think for that sake, it's supposed to be sort of like just co- sort of like really trying to push sort of this, you know, as much as they can put in there. Because I feel like A1 is not getting a lot of money for this adaptation. No, probably not. And that's no surprise because Capcom is in bad shape at the moment. And so it's like, I and I think that hurts it, but they're finding ways to start to make the anime start to stand out on its own. Yeah, that's good. Which is really nice. Like, just different character stuff. Like, 
and again, the localized subs are just like beyond like uh they're just fantastic. Yeah. Like they they even do like uh speech quirks mm-hmm. in all the characters that have them that are like untranslatable from Japanese. Like the like they did case three where they meet a guy who writes like a kid's TV show, and all of the subs for him in uh for the localized ones have him talking in leet speak, which is what he does in the <laughs> games. And it's like, sweet, I love this time capsule of two thousand fucking three. Uh... No, but it's like they there clearly some effort is being put in both on the side of making it uh accessible to newcomers and still interesting, and also making it accessible to a new audience through Crunchyroll. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not watching this show, but I have like seen screen caps where they put like certain fan favorite lines from the game back into the anime. Yeah, and they have like the and I think that a lot of the wording is taken straight from the game. Yeah, which is what really helps push that idea forward. Yeah, it's cool. It's just it's it's becoming a better adaptation with every episode. That's and nice. I think that's really handy. Like, um, I feel like Case Three in the fr- in uh, the first game took like three days, which would have been five episodes. Yeah. But the way they streamlined it and kind of put all of the story bits together so you could avoid sort of the, like, kind of padding mm-hmm. made it so it lasted three episodes. And that's that's just, like, a sort of, like, a quality of life sort of addition that's really nice. Yeah. And just all kinds of other things that, like, build into the plot and make it more natural because you see things from other characters' perspectives. You get to see things you wouldn't see in the game. Okay. Yeah, it's just, it's good. It's good, I'm glad. It's, it's good, and if you like the series, I feel like you should give it some time to build, because it really does start to get much better than the start would make you believe. Alright, that's that's a nice success story. Yeah, thank goodness. Hope it stays up, because it's got 24 episodes to go. Oh, jeez. Well, it's got 24 episodes total, sorry. Alright. And I think that means it's going to finish out two games yeah that makes sense and hopefully if it does well enough maybe we'll get more because i mean the games are still popping out ace attorney 6 got announced pretty recently mm-hmm. or at least with a trailer yeah so yeah who knows all right you know who knows though jojo knows whoa in jojo's bizarre adventure diamond is unbreakable but you know what he doesn't know what if he needs you but man he's dying to find out he doesn't know if he needs you, but he wants you. He wants you to watch his show. Because it's right. pretty good. It's, it's a, it is... I think that uh, the like a lot of the starting art, like the, a lot of the character art that came out ahead of time, had fans worried. Yeah. It's a lot more... <laughs> it's a lot more stylized than any of the other one, any of the other adaptations so far. Uh, please. The other ones stayed pretty faithful to sort of the Araki style. Please put up a picture of Jotaro's shitty socks on the video version. Can do. Uh-oh. But like, this one, it, it, it wants to be sort of a blend of what JoJo's part 4 started out as and what it eventually became. Yeah. This, as like, Araki's style sort of became a lot more like shoujo, very a lot more, like, feminine sort of uh, features on characters. I don't know. I, I don't think that much of the, of the like, early Part 4 styles really left. Okay, fair. But it's definitely, like, it's not quite what Araki did. It is definitely its own thing yeah. stylized for animation. Yeah. And I feel like it turns out a lot better in animation 
than it might in the stills that they produced. Um, yeah, I guess so. Because just as you see more angles and stuff, things start to make more sense, like kind of the weird noses and sort of like the weird shading that really plays into like kind of the colorful sort of like almost psychedelic sort of like coloring that they do. Yeah. Like everything is sort of colored like those moments in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure where things get really serious. <laughs> so like yes. the sky's yellow, streets are purple, kind of like very like you know out there sort of coloring to make it more dynamic. It looks like a town in a live action children's show, basically. Yeah, yeah. it's like Lazy Town. JoJo's yeah. Bizarre Adventure: Diamond is Unbreakable is the Lazy Town of anime. Man, JoJo's Part One is a lot like Lazy Town, actually. Yeah, you're right. Dio's that guy with the weird mustache. You know what? Someone add a weird mustache to Dio. I think he deserves it. But no, um, so Diamond is Unbreakable is... It's faithful. It is just like every other David production JoJo's. It is super faithful to the source. They don't cut anything. They are going to produce every story that is in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Diamond is Unbreakable. I wouldn't say part one and two were very faithful. They did really? a lot to make it better, to, just to make the just the way things were framed, the pacing of things. Sorry, just... faithful in terms of nothing's cut. Okay, sure, yeah. You are going to see every beat of this story. I don't, because, know, like, I don't know if that's necessary for part four. It might not be, because part four is very much more like a slice of life series. Yeah. With a plot that sort of appears. Because, <laughs> like, Honestly, like, for the most part, it's, like, kind of smaller arcs. There's not, like, a big Egypt arc or anything. It's just, like, oh, you know, there is a big bad, and it takes them, like, 13 episodes to find him. Yeah. And then the next, and then, you know, so on and so forth. And so, like, JoJo's, uh, with, like, Diamond is Unbreakable, it's, like, uh, you, you don't have to, you know, they're taking advantage of the fact that it's a very low-key, sort of slow-paced story. Mm-hmm. by you know like with um with part three like every fight was at least two uh two episodes yeah but they're willing to play into single episode fights or if a lot of plot stuff's happening they're willing to make it even longer like with the um with the worst company no yeah with worst company and the nijimuras <laughs> yeah like because a lot of stuff happens they don't want to like you know, force their way through a whole bunch of exposition and make the fight less dramatic. Yeah. And, like, it that shows in, like, the manga, too, where that, you know, compared to, like, episode six, the one with the, like, uh, the con artist. Yeah. That one lasts, like, four chapters. Oh, my but, God. But but Bad Company is, like, 12 chapters. So they they know not to, like, push anything, you know, too too much, and they know where to take their time with different stories. I mean, that con artist one kind of sucks. It goes on a lot longer than it needs to. Yeah. Well, con artist but, was one episode, and Worst Company was three episodes, so that checks out perfectly. Yeah, actually. no, it's yeah, it's really handy that they're, like, taking into account, like, because when they get to um the first, like, big villain, uh-huh. I'm sure that one's going to last three, four episodes. Because that's a long fight. Yeah. But, like, you know, things like... um. So we are on episode six now. Episode seven would have aired the day we're recording this. Mm-hmm. And that's a single episode fight, too, the one with the puppet. Oh, right. Yeah. And that, you know, that one's a short, quick fight. 
I think probably the next one, which um, I guess we shouldn't go into spoilers, should we? No. But the next one's probably going to be two, and then there are a bunch of other stories that end up being one episode. And I think the fact that it can be so kind of variable with its timing for these fights is really handy for its runtime. Sure. Nothing, nothing outstays its welcome more than it would if you were reading the manga. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Uh, what I wanted to say at the start is that this is as good as a JoJo's Part 4 anime could possibly be, which is to yeah. say that all the wrinkles are still there. Yeah, it's it's going to have all the wrinkles that the original story did, but it's going to be as stylish and like as faithful and exciting as they can possibly make it. Yeah, I'd say it's even more stylish than the manga, actually. It looks really good. Yeah, there's just a lot of stuff that they do to really make things pop. Yeah, except With for JoJo's socks. And the shading. Yeah, and Jotaro's stupid clothes. I, yeah, I mean, I don't even mind his outfit normally, but... I don't know, Also just, his hat, his stupid hat. He does have a stupid hat, actually. But he has I think, a stupid hat, but only because the brim, at any angle besides, like, two of them, looks <laughs> like hot garbage. Yeah, it does. Jotaro is just in a weird position because I think he gets hit with, like, the simple distant, uh, like, drawing style the most often. Yeah, and I feel like, in a way, that's because Jotaro ultimately not as important as everyone else. Yeah, thank God. Like, Jotaro's kind of just there. Yeah. Yeah, the part 4 cast is great. Okuyasu is a great, lovable dumbass. Yeah. Koichi's there. (laughs) Josuke is... Josuke's doctrine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but like, no, they've got a great cast going on, and the characters just get better from here, I think. Yeah. But even some of the villains are just, like, great villains. Yeah. I think is actually really good in Part 4, because in Part 3, he's, like, really boring and serious. And I think in Part 4, that works way better, because this time, he's the responsible adult. Yeah, he's the one who's like, okay, guys, sometimes we gotta do some stuff. Yeah, and, like, at the start, like, the weight of the story is on him. Yeah, so the start is, like, he has to get this information out to people real quick. Yeah. So him being sort of, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, kind of, like, a bland, very no-nonsense character works. It works. And he's a good foil as well. Yeah, definitely. Because, like, Josuke and all of them are big into these sort of, like, overreactions, sort of, like, this very jokey sort of style. And Jodo's like, all right, guys, it's time to... It's time, it's time to calm down a little bit. You guys, you are my worst company. Ha! You're right, though. <laughs> he um, won't say that. The, the, the lack of uh, music rights is still just as prominent as it was before. Yeah. Because so- what was it? Because what was it? Um, the, the puppet got changed from surface to standoff? Oh, I don't remember that. Then, um, what did... Uh, Echoes got changed to uh, Reverb. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty good. And then Bad Company to Worst Company, which is just the best one. Yeah, especially because Bad Co. is still written on his collar. <laughs> yep, it's great. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's so good. I love it. No, but yeah, just JoJo's Part 4 is, I think, um, it's, it's definitely a Rocky's favorite part because he keeps shoving Rohan into everything. <laughs> Spoilers, Rohan's a character that shows up and is jackass. I think my favorite thing about uh, Rohan, though, as like he, since he's a manga artist, is everyone thinks he's like a self-insert for Araki, <laughs> and Araki always feels bad because Rohan's a jackass, and he's just, Araki just wants to be nice to everyone. Araki's way better than Rohan. Yeah. But, like, uh, yeah, it's his favorite part, and I feel like there is a 
a vocal minority, especially in the American audience, that agrees that Part 4 is some of the best JoJo's. Um, I don't know about that, but it, I do think Part 4 is... Or Part 4 is at least beloved. Yeah, totally. In a way that a, a number of parts maybe aren't. Yeah, I guess. I, I just feel like this is this was more hype, maybe, oh, maybe also because the audience was much larger thanks to the anime. Yeah, and Part 4 is like... You know, part three has always been a big deal in Japan, and it's even had its audience in America before. But this yeah, before is, anyone knew what JoJo's was. Yeah, and now part four is new to everybody, basically. So More or less, yeah. Yeah. So part four, there's a lot of hype behind it, because it is it is a continuation of a thing that has basically been a long time coming. Yeah. And it's it's great. It's so It's a lot of fun. The the anime really just, like, enhances the story, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. While you can sort of skim through the weaker chapters in the manga, I think the way that they handle the adaptation and everything, David David Pro knows what they're doing. I think uh, I think animating it helps out a lot, because one problem in the manga is that uh, characters sit around a lot, even in the middle mm-hmm. of fight scenes. Like, there's a part during the fight with uh, Worst Company where they're outside of the house, Mm-hmm. And then and af- just talking, and then afterwards they have to go back inside the house. And in the manga, that part is really long, and in the anime, not as much, just because you know they're outside of the house. That doesn't ha- that doesn't have to change. But in the manga, you know, you keep having to change camera angle or like camera angles, uh, like angle yeah. on the drawing, and that's just like not that doesn't have to take as much time up in an anime because you can just do that and it's the next frame, and then. And- and the, I think the stands work a lot better in motion. Yeah, now that they're like- no longer just punchy stands. Yeah, once they start getting, like, weirder powers, being able to see them in motion helps you kind of understand a lot better. Like, the hand. Yeah. The hand is, like, a super weird power. It is. And I think seeing the stuff in motion, like, as it's happening, really benefits you understanding how it works. Do you think the anime is going to help us understand what King Crimson does? Uh, in, like, you know, in, like, 2024? Maybe. <laughs> God, that's such a mess of a... St- Man, stands just keep getting better. And especially in this part, mm-hmm. they start getting, like, so creative near the end. Yeah. I really, I really enjoy that part... Th- I enjoy that part three set this up. But I think that the execution, even in part four, is just so much better. Because suddenly there are a lot more ideas for how stands can work, what they can do. Just, like, this fantastic sort of, like creativity that goes into it yeah and jojo's has always been about um turning the fight into like turning it cerebral uh not necessarily tactical but it's always been about thinking of ways to outsmart your opponent whether or not that solution is actually smart or logical at all and i think you can't do that as much in part three where it's just punching yeah it works way better when you have all these like really varied stance uh, stands with all these crazy abilities yeah like even even the fact that um, Josuke can heal things changes the way certain fights will work. Yeah. Because while it's a little inconsistent whether or not it fucks up whatever he's rebuilding or not, yeah. then I think that the way it's implemented, like where he breaks through a wall and then is able to rebuild it so someone stops chasing him. Yeah. Like, benefits the... <laughs> benefits the accessibility of fights and like the ability to differentiate yeah 
And I think it also helps that like having these more out there stands helps too, because that means they have more clear drawbacks based on yeah. what they can and can't do for their owner. Whereas a punch man, that's just a bonus. Right. Like, because like Josuke can't heal himself yeah. kind of thing. Uh, you know, Koichi's new stand is super weak, but has, you know, an ability that if he can get it off is beneficial, basically in, in annoying the opponent yeah. to victory. It's like Patamon from Digimon. Maybe. I don't, I never watched Digimon. Okay. And like the hand really <laughs> will like that, that sort of thing will become something or can become something that is used in an interesting way because it just closes space more or less. Yeah. Good stuff, JoJo's. Yeah. Thanks, JoJo's. I'm glad they got to the part that seems to be a fan favorite. Yeah. And Araki's favorite, so I mean, <laughs> hey. He finally, he finally gets to do something with it. <laughs> I think he makes a lot of merch for it too. Yeah, probably. Remember when he made that book? I don't know if they ever, if, if they released it or not yet, but I remember he was making a book where him and Rohan would teach you how to draw manga. Oh, I do remember that. I think, that, they had I think the, that got released. Cause they have that book cover of like, a Rocky lovingly, like holding Rohan and Rohan looking disgusted. <laughs> it's great. Speaking of great though. Oh. Let's talk about something. Okay. It's not great. That's my Oiga. My Oiga, aka the Lost Village. Yeah, you should. Yeah, because that's the uh, that's the name on Crunchyroll. Yes, well, it's We're a literal translation. Yeah. Also. Yeah. It is episode seven right now. Wait. We are on episode seven right now. I don't know if I watched episode seven. Episode seven is the one with Mitsumune's backstory. Okay, then I and did. the witch. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. We're on the same page. Yeah. Um, and to, I would I would say that I think uh, a lot of the opinions around Chaco Disaster are. We're cautiously optimistic to start. Yes. I, no, I was fully optimistic about that. Okay. You were cautious. I was ready to... And I Future Friend was cautious as show. well. Mayuga is sort of like... It, it was an unknown. Yes. Because more or less, it was... It's, it's an original anime by a fairly low-key studio. It had to get kickstarted for extra production money. And I think the only thing of note is that a moderately popular writer named Mario Kata was working on it. Yeah. And seemingly wrote only the first episode. I think it's... I think, I've heard that Mario Kata wrote all of it. Okay. And maybe just got credited first episode. Sure. But, um... Mario sucks. Yeah, the show is the worst. It's terrible. And it's, and it's really unfortunate, too. Because, like, I feel like the first episode really built this sort of atmosphere that things are weird. Yeah. Not exactly suspenseful or dramatic or terrifying, but that things were weird. It was very weird. Yeah. It, and I it think had that a, was a, um, episode and one. And that was a benefit to it, I think. Yeah. Episode one had, like, a, a sort of a bit of a dreamlike quality to it where things were taken by as read by the characters that you as the audience think, wait, you can't just say or do that. Right. And it sometimes went in ways you didn't expect it to when the, that happened. Yeah. It, I think it had an interesting start, even if it did introduce 30 characters, 30 plus actually. 
Even if it introduced too many characters. You know, I think the amount of characters isn't actually a problem in this show. I think they all get just enough personality that you're able to differentiate. Hate all of them. Hate, sure, (laughs) but differentiate between all of them. Fair. Um, I think this show could have been done just as well with half the characters. Uh, no, I don't I think feel... so, because they have to split up into groups a lot, and I think if... That's fair, I, I can, yeah, The that's groups fair. need to be a certain size, I think. I guess I feel that there are too many ancillary characters. Yes. Basically characters that are just there to either say no to someone, or to agree with someone. Okay. Yeah, there is definitely a... a, a we should probably give, like, a, a real quick summary of what's going on in this show. Yeah, because I feel like with Ace Attorney and JoJo's, people knew what yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, Moyoga's weird. So, um, there are... A a village has been found that is believed to basically be a place where people who are done with society can go yeah. and live their lives. It is like a myth that's like on a number of like message boards, and someone has found it. No, we're going to do this way faster. And organized a bus trip for it. So 30 people get on this bus to go to this village, and it's fucking creepy. Yeah. They get there, and it's just entirely abandoned, and they're going to try to start living their life there regardless until spooky shit starts happening. Shit starts happening. And what the spooky thing that ends up being what is going on there is the lamest possible route they could have taken this. Like, I literally can't think I of I don't a wor- think that's true, but I think the worst possible thing they could do can still be a possibility. I I literally can't think of anything worse, any a worse direction they could have taken this. Okay, so the let's dire- say the direction so let's say, they if took. If you care this, about looking into the story, spoilers ahead. Yeah, go ahead. The direction they took this in is everybody is getting haunted by their worst fear, and their okay. their worst fears are getting materialized. Imagine though that it turns out that the fog is actually some hallucinogen. And they're actually just dreaming all this and just going crazy thanks to drugs. Uh, mm. That is a worse, that is a worse turnout because that is basically a, a it was all a dream cop out. Okay. Now, like I th- literally none of this is happening and all of them are just hallucinating. But I think you can make that interesting. Uh, I think you could, or at least afterwards you can steer that towards something interesting. I think interesting. you could take this story and make it interesting, no, you but cannot, sure as hell don't. You cannot make people's worst fears materializing materializing interesting anymore. It's too played out, I think. You can if you do not do what this story does. <laughs> and I think what this story does is it makes a cast of 30 characters completely unlikable and then asks for you to care about them. Yeah. And I think that's the worst thing is you... You don't have enough time to make a connection with any character. The characters yeah. you do get enough time to make a connection to are all assholes. Yeah, I think it's important to note that... Or boring. Be- I think that because of the way the story is set up, because it's about people's worst fears coming to literally haunt them, that means yeah. every single character that is going to get haunted needs their sad anime backstory to be told. And all of these characters... I think there is a single character where I do not just think, ugh, when they show up. Okay, who's that? The one in the denim jacket. Uh, I don't remember her name, but the the one who's like who thinks she's a detective. Oh yeah, she's pretty cool. I'm down with her. She's cool because like she doesn't show up much, and all of it is just like, yeah, I'll take care of you guys if you got problems. Everyone else is just like a jackass. Uh, I'm I'm down with a couple other characters. I uh, the character who is like the really tall dude with the ponytail and the bags under his eyes. He started <laughs> out as an asshole, but I think now he's probably the most reasonable person in the group. Uh, I can give you that. Yeah, um, I'm down with the gun otaku guy. Okay. He's just kind of a nice dude. Um, he's, he's just kind of a dork. Yeah. His fear's weird, and we'll get to that. Yeah, his, 
This fear is weird. stupid. Uh, that character, but, but it makes it does not make me feel less about him like some of the other ones do. Yeah, I think it's actually um, if the the like the way his fear manifests itself is weird. But I think the fear the uh, his backstory is actually pretty good. Yeah, it's it's it is a legitimate backstory in the same way the other gun otaku's was. I uh, feel like it's more legitimate. I think the other gun otaku's backstory was dumb. It's dumb, but at least it's, like, built into this sort of, like, you aren't, you know, you see that these characters are bad. Yeah. She is a bad character, but also she did not deserve the thing that happened to her. Yeah, totally. I don't care about her, but I recognize that story as not being as bad as some of the other ones, like Love Pond's. Love Pond's story is lame, and she is also a garbage character. Yeah. So, um... Love Pun is the, uh, Elfin Lady Mirai Nikki-style axe-crazy murder lady. Except worse. Honestly, I think worse. Yeah? Why is that? Because she... Because she never shows a personality outside of that. Okay. I guess. All those other characters, at least at some point, weren't ready to just kill someone at first glance. No, th- there are definitely moments where she's just hanging out, and it's almost weird. I- it's really weird that no one's restrained her yet. Yeah, I think that's the thing, is in all of those th- those other two stories you talked about, the violence is supposed to be bad, yeah. and people reprimand them for it, or at least like try to tone it down. This, they're just totally willing to go with it. They're like, hey, maybe we shouldn't murder this person, and Love Pond's like, actually, let's murder them. It's like, well, we'll tie them up. Yeah. And you can do, and then you can torture them or whatever, Love Pawn, it's cool. Good thing the other murder guy is the first dude that died, otherwise we'd have two of those walking around. No, he's a rapist, I thought. Oh, shit, is that right? I thought that was the implication, is that oh, he was man. totally gonna have sex with that lady. I didn't catch died. that at all. See, that's why, that's why I initially dropped off that. Okay. Like, super hard. See, we're all making, we're making this sound pretty wild right now, but none of this happens until episode five. Like, the first four episodes... Or nothing. Or I guess the middle three episodes, just nothing happens at all. Episode four has what seems like it's going to be this giant twist at the end where a character sees... Episode four has four episodes worth of twists in it. it It's literally a giant twist because one of the characters sees a giant version of one of the other characters in the tunnel. And the next episode, we barely hear anything about that again. But it's got four episodes worth of twists because um, one dude who was like reprimanded here because he, like, got sent to juvie for violence and almost tried to kill the Chunibu on the group. Yeah. The dude who thinks he's, like, a magic pirate. Uh-huh. He breaks out, and he shows up trying to stop the people who are trying to escape from the mountain. And then the pirate dude just dies by falling off a cliff. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Good riddance. And, like, so that happens. Huge twist. Something weird shit. Then there's the huge twist of, like, oh, they can't leave the mountain. They keep, you know, going in a circle. And then they get to the tunnel. And then, like, the next big twist is, like, oh, there's a giant version of the main character there. And then almost as, as an afterthought, the bus driver's like, oh, my daughter. And then... <laughs> yeah, also it's like, oh, my ghost daughter. <laughs> but, uh, but I... And we're laughing now talking about it because it's stupid. But at the time watching it, it's just, like, It's unbearable. <laughs> I I laughed at literally one thing this entire seven episode run. Was it the t- uh, the the silicon? No, I was just I was just baffled by that so much. Okay, I I am watching the show still, even though it's bad, because I am confused. Yeah, I want to see where this ends up because I'm just confused. I'm not mad at it. 
I'm just baffled. I'm pretty. I'm pretty mad. Actually, I'm way yeah, mad. Yeah, you you are mad about it. I'm just like <laughs> completely confused. But the one thing I laughed at is when episode seven, the second half, just turned into a shitty ghost adventures anime. Oh yeah, I guess. Be- the, like the the escalation of that was just like so ridiculous. I had to laugh at that because like they they decide that they're gonna they think that one the main female lead is a ghost and she's causing all these hallucinations of their greatest fears. Yeah, and so what they do is they start building shit to like ward her away, and so they build two crosses. <laughs> they get they get some wooden stakes and hammers because that's ghosts. That's ghosts. They get salt, because that's ghosts. Yeah. And they also, uh, write, like, a they write, like, a Buddhist, um, verse on the back of someone to help make oh, them invisible to ghosts. Uh, oh. And then they capture this girl and tie her up on a pole and are, like, gonna set her on fire like a fucking witch, because that's ghosts. That's ghosts. And, like, the first thing they do is, like, we need to make her talk, and someone just, like, throws a bucket of water, it's like, water torture! This is out of out of the thirty three characters that comprise the main cast. I think twenty nine of them are completely okay with this happening. Yeah, they're just super okay. Well, no, that no, like three of them are not okay because three tried to stop them with Mitsumune. Right, that's why there's I said a detective and there's lying. That's why. I, oh, I guess yeah. So twenty eight because one of them is tied up. Yeah, <laughs> but uh. And then it's like Love Punch really excited about wanting to stab a ghost. Yeah. Like what the? F- <laughs> like they don't understand how ghosts work. <laughs> and then the third character in the main cast, um, the fucking um, Mitsumune's friend. Yeah, Mitsumune's Speed friend, Star. Speed Star. Speed Star. Yeah, because they Everybody all go goes, by internet. They all go internet by internet aliases. Yeah. Except for Mitsumune, who turns out his is real name. It's his real name, and all his life because his twin brother died tragically. Let's get to the let's get to the dark stories afterwards. Okay. Real quick. All right. Okay. Sure. But uh, but uh, he is like super yandere for um, for fucking Mitsumune. Like he is like. I cannot believe this girl told Mitsumune he should believe in himself. Actually, he should believe in me. In me, yeah. And so I'm going to stab uh, a ghost to prove to her that I I ain't talking shit. And he totally just like bleeds a ghost. And they're all like, "Ah, oh, fuck, she's bleeding." Fucking not a ghost. And then he's like, "Actually, what if she's just pretending this blood bleed, yeah. using her ghost hallucination powers?" Everyone's just like. Okay. Because we sh- we know that she can make things appear because we've been chased by all kinds of terrible spirits. Right. All, like, four people that have been chased by spirits. Yeah. And so it ends with, like, him ready to stab him as Mitsumune is getting held back by the dude with the ponytail. Yeah. It's because, like, everyone's just cool with this. Everyone's cool with this. Except for Mitsumune and, like, the two people that are hanging out with him right now. Yeah. And it seems like episode 8, the preview implies that they're just going to stand there talking to this woman tied to a pole. Uh, it's just garbage. See, what gets me is that funding original anime is extremely hard, which is why I'm always going, support original anime when it's good. Who, like, how do you pitch this and make it sound good? Here's the fascinating thing about this. Uh, I see people who legitimately think it's a horror series and uh, are, like, ha- like have those feelings of horror watching it. I've seen people who argue that it is an unintentional comedy. Just for how goofy it is. Here's my opinion. Both of those people are fucking wrong. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Well, no, it's kind of an unintentional... 
No, no, it's not. No, my, it's not. My opinion yeah. is that it is trying to have its cake and eat it too. Okay, and what, what it is trying to be a horror series, like legitimate spooks. Yeah, definitely. But it's also trying to be a goofy horror series that kind of jokes on its tropes. I don't know about that. I think they're just really. I think they don't realize what they're doing. And I feel like the the but with with this idea that it's trying to be both comedy and horror. It is undermining both of them by attempting to do this. Yeah, definitely. If you agree to my thesis that it's trying to be both, it is undermining each other by not knowing how to blend those two. I think it certainly undermines itself a lot, but I don't think it's supposed to be a comedy because I don't think this series has a self-aware bone in its body. I think some of those things are supposed to be jokes. Okay. I think some things are supposed to be jokes. Like the entire minute and a half they spend not being able to remember the stupid pirate man's name. Yeah, sure. That's supposed that to be humorous, to be and it's joke. not because it goes on too long. Is the titty monster supposed to be humorous? I don't think so. Okay, so horrors. Um, let's see. Uh, one guy is haunted by the fact that he totally fucked up a business proposal and people just laugh at him. Yeah, well, he didn't just fuck up a business proposal. He just, like, uh, put down a he, couple he of was numbers wrong. To, yeah, he put down a couple of numbers wrong and totally fucked up a toy fair for his company. Yeah. So he gets haunted by a laughing train that chases him through the forest. Right, and it laughs at him because everyone made fun of him afterwards. Yeah. Because he's like, he was tr- he was trying to fill a spot too big for his britches. Yeah. Kind of. So, that's one of the horrors. Mm-hmm. Then, Love Pond's horror is, like... So edgy. Emotional exploitation. Yeah, absolutely. Which I feel like a number of these are supposed to be. Okay. Is e- emotionally exploited. You don't care about these characters... Until you see their story, and then you're supposed to go, oh, that's why they do that. That makes me sad, and that's why they're sad. Because Love Ponds is the super edgy, like, her mom is, like, uh, is acting as, like, a prostitute for this, like, good-for-nothing, like, Buddhist priest. Yeah. And basically is, like, uh, physically and emotionally abusive to both of them. Mm-hmm. And so Love Pond just, like, tries to, like, prank this, uh... This this priest by like making him trip on his alcohol bottles and stuff. And I think she was trying to kill him with that. I don't know if that one was supposed to be killed. It eventually becomes murder, though, okay, an attempt at murder. But that's why she leaves is because she just doesn't deal with reality. They have a fucking line in it where someone goes, "Real life is much scarier than any monster." I'm like, "Fuck off with uh, that! Fuck off with that right now!" And then she gets chased by like a a kabuki mask chasing her like a caco demon from Doom, which is um the. Uh, the, like, brand of alcohol that he drinks. Oh my god, I didn't even realize that. Yeah, they, they uh, do, they do, like, several close-ups on that bottle, oh so that you know no, the that there's the kabuki mask. <laughs> oh, that's the worst. Then, we have fucking, um, uh, we have the, the, the cat lady gun nut. Yeah. And her backstory is that she got bullied a lot, so what she does is she buys a gun. An airsoft gun. An airsoft gun, yeah. She uses it to shoot BBs at the people who uh, were bullying her. But then she gets caught by them. Yeah. And is basically tied up under a fucking wasp's nest. Yep. And the it, it's implied that the girls take her gun and, like, shoot the wasp's nest onto her and just fuck her up. So then she gets chased by a giant wasp. That vomits other wasps. Oh, it does. Jeez. And that's scary, but that's because wasps are fucked up. Wasps are super Not for... Not for anything Call out posts, that... wasps. <laughs> They're <laughs> fucked up. I hate wasps, man. <laughs> but, Shit. like, it's nothing... 
that the show does itself. It's just that wasps are fucked up in a wasp. A giant wasp vomiting other wasps is super fucked up. Yeah, that is. And then we have the final guy, who's just like a dude. He really wants to be in the army. Yeah. But he's just, he's just too short. So what he decides to do is he decides to get a silicone implant in his head to make him one inch taller. Yeah, because he heard that someone, some like big army hero also did that at some point. So... He does that, but it fucks up because he doesn't give it enough time to rest. Yeah. So he gets caught for it. And at the time that he learns about the silicon implant, he learns that they're used for boobies. And that, like, bothers him because he's a teen. Yeah. So his horror is a a, a giant silicon breast on a walking spider tank. Yep. And he, when all the characters get together and everyone's like, no, wait a minute, I saw that and I saw this. He is... He doesn't want to say what he saw because he's too afraid of saying that he got chased by a big titty. Mayorga got a nipple on TV. Yeah, that's an achievement. Because it was a weird 3D silicon booty Oh, I forgot that it was 3D. You know what else we haven't mentioned yet? We haven't mentioned... (laughs) You thought it was a turd when it came out. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I did because it's like, yeah. Yeah, because it's it's weird and grotesque. But anyways, continue. Uh, There's also Mitsumune's backstory, which is that... When he was oh young. yeah, Meets Moon is backstory it's stupid. I, it's stupid and garbage and doesn't make any sense. I thought it was okay. Um, even it, okay. Is, it is a little strange, but I thought within the context of the story itself, I thought it was pretty touching. Okay, I did not find it touching at all, but within the context of the story, sure. It's because there are other things that play into that story. Yeah, basically, what, basically his entire th- oh, you uh, it's that he had a twin twin brother called like something that also ends with Tori Mune. Tori Mune, um, and. That twin brother was always like he was a little more of a rowdy, rough kid, so he always got more attention from the parents, from yeah, the mother his, especially. It, it, it seems pretty obvious that his mother loved that kid more. Maybe, and then that kid dies because of his own stupid. It's his own stupid fault, and then the mother goes into shock and starts thinking that Mitsumune is that other kid. So for the rest of his life, to comfort the mother, Mitsumune has to pretend to be his twin brother, and that's why he leaves. And that's why he leaves. The reason it doesn't touch me at all is because it's clearly there is clearly a sense. That that mother just does not give two shits about Mitsumune after giving him that fucking penguin toy. Yeah. Because it, I think from all the other scenes, it shows that she just does not give a shit about that kid. And that's why she only thinks about Torimune when she sees him. It's because she's a terrible mom. Yeah. And so, fuck that. Oh, I, th- I thought you just didn't like the conceit of him having to pretend to be his brother. That's that's fine to an extent, but I, I, I hate the thing that's wrapped around. Okay, sure. And then there's also a story element of... Like, he's the only one who doesn't use an online alias in the village. And he just uses his name. Yeah, and everyone keeps owning him by saying him that Mitsumune <laughs> doesn't sound like a name that would fit him. And then we find out it's his real name, and then I was like, oh, that's kind of sad, actually. If only I cared. If only... I mean, I kind of cared about that. That was... Okay. I don't know. Episode one of this was really good, I thought. Yeah, and then the rest of it just has, like, taken a nosedive. Yeah. And it's, it's not just the, the storytelling that's bad. Everything else is bad, too. The animation quality is really low... All the characters look like something you'd see in an anime meant to sell toys, like beat em or like a or, or like play. a how to draw anime book. Yeah, the CG is really bad. The CG is really bad. There's a part in the in during the OP during the intro where, after all the characters sort of get introduced one by one, it's uh, sort of zones in on Mitsumoni at the end, and then they zoom out on him while he's standing in the opening, while he's standing in the door opening to a classroom, and that really shows just how weird the proportions of all the characters are. They're tiny. They're all tiny and weird. Except for the characters that aren't supposed to be attractive. They have normal proportions, and that makes it worse. Like the detective lady. (laughs) Yeah, the detective lady and the uh, tall dude with the ponytail. See, he just has shoulders broader than his head, but most of the men in the show don't. 
Yeah. And it's weird. And then also all the music is really bad. It, it's all like goofy. The OP is actually pretty The right. OP is great. It's my favorite one it's of the, the season. It's the best part of that anime. Yes. But all the rest of the music is like this goofy carnival spook house music every time you're, it's meant to be legitimately scary. Yeah. Oh my god. This, this show is a complete disaster. It's the worst. Can't wait to watch the rest of I it. I can't wait to watch the rest I of it. I just want to know where it ends up. Yeah, I don't know where it ends up. I was really hoping that it was going to be like, I was expecting it to go, it, it did go the Silent Hill 2 route of having your fears like manifested, but I was hoping it was yeah, going to be. Yeah, but all of them were stupid. I was hoping it was going to be go more in like the town is sinister route or just a there will be blood route where everybody goes like nuts and starts killing each other. But now we get this like lame, not I scary, the, silly story. And it's just the like. The most shocking thing I think uh-huh. is that only two characters have died so far. Yeah, right. I like, not that I'm like a, a weirdo for this, I think. No. But I expected this to be much more of a slasher sort of story. With a 30 character cast, I don't think you're weird yeah. for thinking that was gonna happen. Yeah, with a 30 character cast, I would have expected by now, like, you know, it would have turned out that this is a fucking game of mafia. Yeah. Basically, and one of them <laughs> yeah. is just ready to murder. Oh my, well, two of them were ready to murder, they just haven't done it yet. But you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. Like, I would have expected this to be much more, like, already gotten into the mafia sort of thing, people have started showing up dead a lot more. Yeah. It took until episode four for somebody to die. Yeah, and that was like the last five seconds of the anime. It's yeah. like, oh, there's a guy going down the river. Yeah, He's dead. it was an accident, too. It's not like they got killed. What? A... Well, we don't know that yet. Yeah, I guess so. We still don't know what happened there. Yeah. Either way, my week is Yeah, bad. We, we still I, don't know what happened it. here. It's a big... I'm, I'm watching it just so I can see the doors close. So honestly. they kickstarted money for additional funding, but it was like an investment style Kickstarter. So it was all really big sums of money coming in. How do you think those yeah, people got, like, feel right they, now? They got several million yen. How do you think those people feel right now? That I don't they know. funded Apparently the worst anime doing of all, time? all right. Uh, I don't think it's doing great. I think it's What's doing the name of the other company that's working on this? There's a second animation studio. They have a really funny name. Diomedia? No, the other one. There's a second oh. one. Shit, let me look this up. I'll fight you to, to get no. to see my... Uh, Pony Can is what it's called. No, no, it's Pony Canyon. Pony Canyon, right. Oh, no, the licensor is Pony Can USA, yeah. which is Pony Canyon. And they list that in the uh, in the opening, and I think that's a really funny name. Are they like, are they a big deal? Pony Canyon is a big deal. I think mostly for... Um, they do a lot of music releases, like singles and OPs and oh, stuff. Oh, that's right, actually. Like, they handled all of K-On! Yeah. I've just never really thought about it before. It was just funny seeing it in the opening at, like, a point where it's supposed to be, like, solemn and serious and seeing Diomedia Pony Canyon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Pony Canyon's done a lot of music stuff. Uh, All right. Let's, uh, let's, let's maybe bring the mood up a bit yeah, from what totally. I hear you talk about this. Let's talk about Space Patrol Lulico. Space Patrol Lulico is Trigger's good anime this season. Oh man. Well, tell me about Which it. Which is a surprise, because this is the one that's being held by the uh, Kill a Kill director. But basically, it's a story about this uh, about this uh, teenage girl who is living in this city where aliens and humans live together, and her dad is like a detective for the for a company that scoops up uh, alien criminals. But he accidentally eats a pill that ends up with him getting frozen, and now in order to make money to get like the the whatever she needs to unthaw her father, she has to work for the space patrol team instead. And what she does on the first episode is she has to, she's like in her classroom doing a test, and she has to catch one of her classmates who is doing something what's called space cheating, um, <laughs> by getting the answers through this black hole. And she does this by transform, by putting on her super suit and then transforming into a gun. 
and when this happens, basically this world's uh, version of Inferno Cop shows up and he says, Awake Justice Gun Morphing. And then when she <laughs> fires, it says, uh, every time she shoots, she fires a shot, it says, Fight for Justice. Uh, and if she does it multiple times really quickly in a row, it gets cut off for a new time, for a new one. It's just, the, sh the show cool. just, it, it just oozes just like joy and energy and just like fun. I hear, I, I think I saw a screen cap of someone being like, space ethics have gone too far. Is it kind of a show where they just put the word space in front of things to make it so that they all, don't worry, we're in space still? Yeah, sort of. Cool. There, there's definitely an image just That's my favorite thing about, like, genre comedy. Yeah. It's super, it's so funny. Um, uh, yeah. And it looks really good, too. It has a great... It looks very fun and cartoony. Yeah, but it reminds me of the most is, I guess, the, the Powerpuff Girls anime? It looks a lot like that. Um, oh, like uh, Powerpuff Girls Z. Yes. So that would good. Yeah, but, like, way more crisp in the animation. It's limited animation, but not, not like, uh, a TQ in style In that trigger way. Yeah. Um, it's in the... It's, it's the, So you're saying this is the best... Of sort of triggers like standard elements. Yeah, totally. Except it doesn't have the trigger style. And when I say trigger style, all I can ever describe it as is you know how they're, um, oh, what's it called? The muscle at the back of your lower leg. Uh, I know what you're talking about though. Yeah, you know how that is always like kind of like bulges out a little in the trigger style? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that's not this. That It's just okay. a totally different style. And it's got, it's got all kind of, all kinds of cute little things like, she has a side ponytail with, like, a star button on it that looks like a shooting star with a ponytail. Mm -hmm. And it's just super good. And it's got a, a, just a great opening that just sounds like the most energetic jam session. I heard it did an episode that was described as Kill a Kill if Kill a Kill was good. Uh, there is a character, a part or where... Or did Kill a Kill better than Kill a Kill? There's a part where Luluko's mother shows up who's basically just a walking Kill a Kill reference. Okay, cool. Yeah, and it's just... The whole, it's just a good show. I don't want to, it's hard to describe because all the, it's, it all comes down to like really tiny individual parts that are funny. Like in one episode, uh, they team up with this alien girl and every time Luluko says something really heroic, the alien girl says like, yo, you, you piece of shit or whatever. Uh, and then every time only for one frame, Luluko's expression changes. And it's just, it's, it's, it's good. It's just good. It's just cool. charming, high action. The, the titty mother, that was kind of a bit of a damper on it, but now they're, the whole city got- Isn't there that weird titty pirate too? Yeah, that's the mother. Oh, that is the that mother? That is okay. her, yeah. Um, right now the whole city got hoisted up into space through a black hole, so they have to get the city back before it, it gets auctioned off to like space pirates. <laughs> Aren't they doing a weird thing where like at the end of episode three they just look season one over, yeah. look forward to season two? Yes. And it's- Like as a weird joke thing? Yeah, but the art style also changed slightly after that. Oh, that's weird. Which is really good. It's just really good, man. Okay, that's great. Hell I'm yeah. gl glad to hear. Now tell me about Kiss Neighbor. Oh, Kiss Neighbor's not so good. Okay. Uh, but it's not as bad as you would expect, or as bad it's as we like thought it was going to be. It's not like offensive in its lack of quality or whatever. Yeah. So basically what the plot is to Kiss Neighbor is uh, seven kids, or I think it's seven, get sort of- 30 kids <laughs> get on a bus. <laughs> a couple of kids get brought together by this uh, underground school or government agency. And they all get, like, linked together, so if one of them feels pain, all of them feel pain. And they all feel the full brunt. It's not like the pain gets spread across them, so I don't understand why. And then they have to learn to work together uh, to do things, and I don't know what things, because I only got to episode two before I gave up. So this is also being written by Mario Kata. Yeah. 
Uh, and I think, from what I understand, a lot of the stories that she writes are about sort of like learning to accept other people and the human condition. Yeah, I think Which this I guess is... makes sense with sort of the learning to come together through the shared pain sort of thing. Yeah, I think this is probably better for that than Mayurika would ever be. Okay. Because um, she also handled, I think, Anohana is the biggest one that she's oh, done. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, because it's very dr- drama heavy, kind of. Because before the show came out, uh, one of the big things we both took exception of is the way they described the characters. Like, one of them was, oh, this All guy. All of them were he's mega so, edgy. He's distant and he doesn't feel pain. And then there's another character that she also doesn't feel pain. Feels even less pain. Feels even less pain. But it's actually not that bad in the show itself. Um, I feel like that's just a bad way to describe it. Yeah, definitely. Because also, if it's about. If, if pain is an important, se- you know, part to the plot. You think they would focus on that more? Yeah, well, it's about and, emotional. At least give a description pain. for why we talk about pain. Yeah, but I mean, if it's if it's the d- dichotomy between physical and emotional pain between these characters, again, that seems like the sort of thing that should be brought up more. Yeah, because Kisnaver really didn't get any explanation until it came out. Yeah, it really doesn't. And watching the show, it also doesn't give you a proper explanation for what's going to happen. At least not early on. Um, but the characters are pretty good. I think, like, the two that get described as feeling no pain are both kind of boring, but I think the supporting cast makes up for it, except for, like, the overexcited idol girl. She's... Nico? Yeah, Nico. That's right. Again. I know because everyone puts, uh, puts gifs of her out. Yeah. Um, I just... Just don't do characters like that. It's such a... It's, first of all, it's a cheap character archetype, and it's also just such a non-character. Just stop, please. She has a fun design. Uh, yeah. All the characters have fun designs, I think. Uh, you know, it's got that classic trigger style. But I think the the problem that the show has is the setup is not interesting. Um, they don't tell you where the setup is gonna go. Like we don't know what these characters are supposed to do. What the With point this is? Plan. Yeah, what the point of this plan is? Um, and it's just the pacing is very bad. Uh, just okay. The first episode takes forever. It feels like it takes forever, but basically nothing happens. It's a lot of talking. To base to no end, other than the characters all end up in the same place. Most of the most of the characters don't even get a proper introduction by the end of the first episode, even though there's so much talking. And then episode two uh, is where I really started noticing how similar the show actually is to Kill a Kill, or at least what I don't like about it, because what okay. happens is the seven uh, they're all in the hospital or wherever, and they have to start telling each other like things about one another, and if they don't do it. One of them's like locked up and he's going to get shocked and then they're all going to get shocked. Um, and they start saying like, oh, I'm this and this and this and I'm from class 2A and that's not good enough. So they get shocked. Then they start talking about like their blood type and their uh, their star sign and, and their age and stuff like that. They still get shocked. Then they uh, the like overseers send out dogs and those dogs start chasing one of them. And he's like his thing is like that he's super scared of dogs. And then afterwards he tells them, oh, I'm scared of dogs. And then they find out that's the sort of thing they need to be telling each other of what they're scared Some of. Some more personal sort of. Yeah, but it's like, okay, overseer, why didn't you just tell them? This is co- like the whole set, like the whole setup of this episode was completely unnecessary. And we, this is a show that really needs to get the plot going to get interesting, but they're wasting this time for no reason. Hmm. And the big problem, I think, is that the show is very enamored with its own ideas when I don't think those ideas are very interesting. And that's the same problem I had with Kill a Kill. Okay. Uh, except in Kill a Kill, the, the ideas they're enamored with is a very bad way to subvert uh, sexual exploitation in anime. And in this, it's just the show's own boring setup. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it just does nothing for me. So, 
I don't know. It's definitely... I don't, I, I don't take offense to it, at least. So in that sense, I think it's better than Kill a Kill. But... Okay. Yeah, I just don't... I just don't really feel like watching this one. Fair. Yeah. Plenty of other people will watch it. Yeah, I bet. Crunchyroll is sponsoring it in some way. Uh, they've got some hand in it, because they've got all the exclusive, like, early, you know, kind of, like, videos on the production and stuff. Yeah. They have some exclusive thing with Trigger. This, like, their, uh, like, the fact that they got the license to this was announced before last season even started, I think. I think as soon as the show was announced, basically. Yeah. Because, like, last year we already knew. Yeah. So speaking of K's, let's talk about Kabaneri yeah. and the Iron Fortress. I initially didn't think about watching this. Okay. But seeing a lot of people were talking about how great the animation was and seeing clips of it, it's like the action is just beautiful in a way that I think this is by the team who did Attack on Titan and I think it's in a way that uh, from what I've seen Attack on Titan, it is a much, much more action oriented and maybe that's because they're fighting human-sized things and can like mow down a lot more of them and do a lot more with sort of like S- smaller villains. Is it production IG villains. or is it orange? It no, it's um Wit Studio. Oh, okay. Wit Studio handled Attack on Titan. Oh, did they? Yeah. Alright. So, um it's it this it's the exact same setup as Attack on Titan. Yeah. Um b- basically uh, a zombie outbreak has happened and they so they've built these um they've built these cities that are all covered in basically giant wall and the way that they get from wall to wall is through these um, super-powered, like, steam trains. Yeah. And it's just about a, one particular train full of people who then go from place to place, kind of, like, figuring out how, what, you know, we get a, a really good look at what the world is like post this uh, apocalypse, basically. Yeah. And then we visit sort of these either, like, half-destroyed, partially-destroyed, non-destroyed cities, and it's... It's just an exploration of the world. Cool. It's the only thing that makes this different than Attack on Titan, uh, structurally, is that it is written by the dude behind Kogia. And basically, uh, the way I've seen this described that I think works best is the dude who wrote Kyogias saw this, saw Attack on Titan. He was like, I could do this, but better. Was he right? And so far, I haven't seen a lot of Attack on Titan. Something about it didn't quite grab me. Yeah, okay. And having watched more of this, I think that he has a very different sort of story to tell with this same setup. Yeah. Well, I think Attack on Titan is actually somewhat similar to Code Geass in that it has just world-changing twists all the time. And Attack on Titan does too. Is this show like that? We've only had really one big twist. Okay. So the idea behind this is basically like, if a zombie bites you, you're going to turn into a zombie. That's not a twist. And these, these are like fast, violent zombies. Yes. Yeah. 28 Days Later um, South, got it. Yeah. And so, in the first... It, okay, so, to start out, it is so much edgier than Attack on Titan. <laughs> and in a way that, like, specifically appeals to this weird, still 14-year-old part of my brain. Oh, jeez. The same sort of part of my brain that, like, made me read through Mirai Nikki. Oh, man. Um, See, I just don't, I just don't, I don't have patience for that sort of thing anymore. And okay, well, okay, in in the particular way that it's edgy, like the fr- so it it has the same sort of Attack on Titan thing. Um, the, the it ends up that one of the trains that is coming to this settlement has been like just completely taken over by zombies, and so these zombies <laughs> are basically gonna 
crash that they've like taken over the controls and everything and with as much brain as they have left they're basically just crashing this train into the fucking settlement and taking it over that, that owns yeah no it rules um and so the the main character is this dude who works on one of the trains and has been trying to build this like steam gun that's able to puncture the hearts of these zombies because they all have this like they all have a... We're in the place where their heart would be, like, this huge, like, glowing, bulbous sort of thing going on. Their weak point. And that's their weak point. Yeah. And none of the steam guns that they've built so far have been strong enough to, take the, to like, break through those. And so he's trying to build one on his own that can basically shoot shit hard enough that it pierces. Okay. And in the first episode, as he's getting taken over, he's like, Aw, shit, I just figured out a sweet way to mod my gun so it can do that. So he runs back and gets it. <laughs> And he gets attacked by a zombie in his house, and he gets bit, but he just shoots through and just murders the zombie Shit. and it explodes. And he's like, fuck yeah, I did it. And then he realizes he's getting bit. So what he does is, the issue with the zombie virus is it hits your brain, you become the zombie. Okay, so I have time. So what he does is he fucking hangs himself, basically. <laughs> and to... to, to to stop the blood from flowing to his head. Jeez. <laughs> See, that's good. They do something like that in uh, in The Walking Dead, where at one point someone gets bit in their leg and they just amputate him right then and there. Yeah, it's it's similar, but what he's doing is basically he's just cutting off all flow to his head yeah. with this like device that he's built so that it stops from getting to his head, and he survives. He survives, what? and the, he survives the... Um, basically, the getting to his head, because this is also a thing he's postulated with one of his trained friends. Okay, so he, he just happened to have a hanging device that doesn't he kill built, you. No, he built this. He built this as, like, I think this is something that's going to work if I get it. All right, okay. And so, like, that makes he, it less. He, that makes it less fun, actually. I thought He's like a conspiracy theorist sort of dude. Okay. Who's, like, prepared for literally everything. Right. Or what he thinks is everything. Yeah. So he, he strangles himself just enough so that it, uh, it stops the flow to his brain, and he basically comes out of it uh, unscathed. Part of his hair turns a funny color because he started dying partially. <laughs> but he is avoided turning full zombie. And the twist is that now he is what is considered a demi-corpse. Okay. They are technically, like, more po- They're basically more powerful humans. Uh... Just stronger, more durable, but also they have to eat blood sometimes okay. to uh, survive. Okay, so he's a vampire. More or less. More or less he's become a vampire. Yeah. And, like, the whole point is that there's another one on the the Iron Fortress, which is the the train that they are on. Yeah. Who works for, like, the shogunate that still exists within this, uh, this fucked up pseudo-Japan world. All right. And so, like, he... I can't... There's, there's something to the action that's great. It's like, it, it plays with a lot of, um, shonen action tropes that I'm not a big fan of. Okay. But it makes up for it in sheer style when action does happen. Yeah. There's just a lot of cool shit that happens. And I think it kind of makes up for it. Like, um, in episode two, he gets found out that he's been bit, and so they just throw him off the train. Because they're like, we <laughs> can't... If if he's part corpse, he might end up... Because they call him corpses. Yeah. Sorry. The zombies are corpses. Uh, he, he might bite people and infect them, so they have to throw him off. And he gets thrown off, and at some point they reach, um, like, a bridge that needs to be put down. And the... Thanks to all those, uh, the corpses on the tracks, they can't get the automated function working to get the bridge down. Okay. Like part of a, part of a corpse has just gotten lodged in a part of the machinery. 
But it turns out that the main character, um, I should actually give him a name, Ikuma, has been, like, walking towards the train this whole time, like, taking down zombies with his gun. Yeah. And he does this speech that's basically, like, you guys threw me off the train and I'm going to make you feel like shit. I'm going to make <laughs> you feel like absolute shit and you're going to feel so bad because I'm going to save you right now and I'm going to die here. And you're going to be like, oh, man, I wish we hadn't thrown this guy off the train because he fucking saved us. But it's going to be too late because I'm dead. Just the pettiest fucking That's the thing. best way to make people not feel bad about you, actually. I absolutely adored the fact that they're willing to write this super petty-ass character <laughs> and give him this, these dramatics. And then the other demi-corpse, you know, on the train saves him and basically is like, yeah, you're not getting out that easy. And he's like, fuck. <laughs> That's good. There's just, like, there's a lot of neat action stuff and, like, some pretty clever writing to it, but it plays into shonen tropes that I'm not a big fan of that I can mostly overlook because I feel like the characters overall have very strong moments to them and are all interesting in their own way, and they all get their chance to do something for the story. Okay. And Ikuma's got, like, a best bro that keeps showing up, and he's kind of pudgy, and he's not, like, he's more of an engineer, uh-huh. but, like, he always, he always, you know, fights for his bro. Like, he shows up, uh, admits the, like, zombie thing in the first episode, and he's like, dude, what the fuck? He's like, dude, I just totally killed a zombie, and they both go, yeah, and, like, high-five and stuff, because, <laughs> you know, the gun works. Because this dude's been helping Ikuma with his gun, and it's, like, stuff like that, and he's just, like, super broish, and it's, like, when they find out that they need blood to eat, he's like... It doesn't matter if the blood comes from a guy, right? Like this big no homo sort of thing. <laughs> oh my god, that's great. No, there are such some great moments to these characters, and I feel like sometimes it falters because it plays into sort of these tropes like um the other demi corpse works for the shogunate and is like reprimanded by someone else who used to work for the shogunate as like you're becoming too weak by making these personal connections with people uh. and not just being like a fight. And like by the end of that episode, she's realized the mistake. And it, that's, that's where I am right now, episode five. And so I think as it builds up, these characters can only get better, basically. Yeah. So I'm excited to see where it goes, cause I'm garbage and I have garbage taste. So when you say it's like, uh, it's Mirai Nikki and Big Order style edgy, is it also that in the sense that a lot of it feels like it has no point? No. Okay. Well, some of it. There is some amount of edginess that's just like, there's no reason you needed to do that. Yeah. But I think overall, when I say just, like, edge, I mean that sort of part of the brain that when you're 14 years old, you think these things are cool. Yeah, It doesn't okay, specifically okay. have to be an unnecessary sort of edginess. So it's like... Though there is some of that. Like a gun with a chainsaw on it style. Right. Like the, 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 um, the demi-corpse lady, uh, Mume, yeah. has two steam pistols and they are, like, double barrel. Yeah. And between the barrels, knives pop out. <laughs> That's good. Like, that kind of shit. <laughs> and other kinds of, like, weird steam power thing, like, uh, w- uh, another main lady, uh, Ayame, has a steam-powered bow and arrow. That's cool. Which basically works by, when she releases the arrow, a gear turns by steam power that shoots the arrow out, like, twice as fast. Sweet. This sounds pretty good, actually. There's a lot to like about it if you can get over sort of that initial, like, edginess and very much, like, shonen tripe sort of feeling that it gives off. Yeah. There are really great moments to it. That is kind of a shame that it has sort of that overriding Yeah, and I think that's trophiness. I think that's just part of it's the code Geass guy, he's gonna do some of that yeah. shit. Yeah. Because I think um after a certain point, Attack on Titan manages to avoid that, even though early on it does that a lot. 
yeah, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to feel about it as I go on, but right now I'm feeling pretty good about okay, it. Okay, cool. I might check it out. And to note for anyone who wants to check it out, it's Amazon Prime only, so I mean, there, there's your, <laughs> there's the caveat. Yeah. Next up, though. Bungo Stray Dogs. Bungo Stray Dogs. Uh, I don't, I think we're on episode six right now. I stopped after two. I stopped after three. Um, I stopped for a very different reason. Yeah. When I watched episodes one and two, I was going off of the recommendations. Oh, you know, it starts pretty good. And I, and I like the idea of action based on like, uh, like kind of weird, quirky powers. Cause this is all like authors. Yeah. It's Japanese authors versus American authors. And they all have powers based on some of their popular works. And I think that's, that's charming. Mm-hmm. It's charming in a way that like can play into some very interesting ideas. I just found the humor like aggressively unfunny. Okay. And given how heavy the humor is um, in relation to the action, like humor is like ninety percent of the show. I feel. Yeah. And I just I I did not I laughed at maybe one joke per episode, and I felt like at that point it's like I don't think that this is the show for me. Okay. So I pass on it. Well, it does get more action-heavy later on. Um, actually, as soon as episode episode three starts, but well, pfft. but can but talk about episode three because you'd stop there. Episode three, but though you thought it was good so far, right? I let's, was. Let's say episode one, two, you were super wrong. Uh, I liked episode one, uh, even though I thought the first half of it took too long, and it probably should have gone to the second half faster. Um, and I thought episode two was really good. And that's also as far as I had gotten reading the manga. Okay. Uh, well, and then and so I was like, "This is this shit is." I'm gonna ride this out to the end because it's gonna be good. And then I got to episode three, and then have you ever watched Get Backers? No, but you've told me a number of times about Get Backers. But continue. Okay, so it, a similar thing happens that happens to Get Backers is that suddenly. Uh, we leave Goofy Action Station and we are taking the bullet train st- straight into regular story Edge Avenue. Like, just shonen ass. Not, no, not even. More like Sinan. Because it, the b- villain shows up. And I don't really. Like the big bad? Or it seems that way, yeah. He or shows a up. The big bad, I guess. Yeah, he shows up and he just like blows the entire. He just blows the legs off of the main character, and not in a silly way. Like straight up, his legs get torn off, and there's blood everywhere. And then, oh Jesus! It's just I don't. At the time, I was like, "Wow, there's something edgy happening every three minutes here." And I don't remember what most of them are, but it was it went really, it got really dark and really heavy out of nowhere. So, so it, this is a fucked up genre shift. Yeah, basically. and it, I was just and I feel and I feel like I hear that it it continues to do that where it goes back to being goofy. Oh, that's terrible! Like the next episode. That's terrible. Um, cause see, that's I think that there's a way to do that, but it's not three episodes in. Yeah, no, there's a gradual turn that needs to happen. I don't know. Get Backers did it on like episode twelve, and it was still it's still painful. No, but I mean, like you can you can graduate to that. Okay, yeah, sure. With with enough time, you can sort of like change the tone little by little. Yeah. So that you don't lose those comedic elements, but you get to some real fucked up shit, and it doesn't feel weird. Yeah. And I get the appeal of wanting to do this as an author, because to you, the edgy stuff is the end point already. So you know that's where I'm going to put it. Go. Yeah, you know, and I think that's maybe the difference between something like Cabinary, where it starts at edgy to start. Yeah. It knows what it wants to be. You're doing Bungo Stray Dogs as maybe like a genre turn. Yeah. You, you draw people in with sort of fun, lovable characters and then make it dark. Yeah. 
But no, but you're really excited to get to the darkness. Yeah, my point is, you know what the show is going to be, and the, right. but the audience doesn't, and that's bad. Mm-hmm. And or well, it's not necessarily bad, but I don't like it. I didn't like it in okay. this case, and it's just I don't know. What I liked about episode one is I I really like the Soul Eater director who is also directing this, and I always like his uh, his goofy approach to visual humor. And I think the first two episodes are really good for that. And then all of a sudden this shit happens. And it's like, wow, this is not what I wanted out of this anime at all. And also I'm not really feeling it. So that was the end of that. I talked to future friend about it. He stopped like about halfway through episode one. Uh-huh. But I think the the thing that really caught him was like the, the way it tells jokes. Okay. Because like you, in main, one of the characters is floating down the river head, you know, head underwater. Yeah. And the other, and the actual main character pulls him up and is like, what were you doing? And the dude's like, I was trying to kill myself. And then the main character's like, you were trying to kill yourself? And then like a thing of text pops up on screen, like, dude, he was totally trying to kill himself. That is kind of, that is a weird thing. And I think that was the, that was the thing that really dropped it for him is just like, they felt that like that joke was so important. They needed to continue to push it. Yeah. But I think they do that text thing a lot, but I think most of the time it's not ancillary like it actually adds its own part to the joke yeah it's 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 almost like a like a narration sort of thing without narration yeah like the other ones weren't nearly as bad but that one stuck out to him yeah no i get that totally Ugh, that's boom go straight yeah it was a bit of a shame i was hoping it was gonna I, but, be better it looks great yeah like the it, it looks good and the conceit again i i would like really enjoy on someone else's hand yeah I would, I wouldn't, not after episode three. You can't make that no, shit. No, but good. like, I mean, the idea of an action series oh, where okay. his author is fighting each other. Yeah, totally. I want to watch, you know, Edogawa Ron Poe to beat up John Steinbeck with magic powers. Also in real life. Yeah, well, it's too late for that. Maybe they can do that in heaven or something. I hope they are. Just a wrestling fight. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, next up, another action series you dropped. I just decided not to bother. Also by Bones. Uh, Concrete Revolution, the last song. The last song. Um, basically, what it is is my goodwill for the show just ran out. Because uh, it, it, it's it was a steady decline last season. Not the quality of the show, but it it just lost my patience because of the way the storytelling worked. Yeah, and I felt like I was going to continue on, and as soon as I I tried to click on that episode, I'm like, I really actually don't want to do this. Yeah, and I was still down with it because. Even though the way Concrete Revolution told its story, which is it's very involving and you really need to pay attention if you want to catch the grander arc. Especially with episode, uh, with season one where things kind of just jump around timelines a lot. Yeah, they still do in season two. That's still there. Okay. Um, but I, I was just like hoping it was going to be like a fun, pretty adventure with all sorts of different superheroes. And that was unfortunately not what I got. It got, it got really dark and weird. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's necessarily bad because it's basically about are superheroes really doing their best when they do this particular job? That doesn't have to be as dark as it is, and that doesn't have to be as, like, convoluted as it it's is. It's super convoluted. Um, and it's just, season two is really story-heavy. Uh, I watched the first two episodes, and it was very heavy on the story. Not that much action. Uh, and it's just not as good as the first season, either. Like, uh, it's the art is just not as interesting. The f- animation isn't done as well. There's less of those cool, like, stylized background stuff going on. Um, like there's, it's it feels like they kind of grade up the colors, or uh, yeah, I, I guess so for the for the environments at least, definitely, yeah, because yeah. the majority of episode one just takes place in a gray warehouse, okay, um, and it's just, yeah, it was just not, 
it, it just wasn't doing it for me anymore. The bad stuff was still there and the good stuff was running out. So it's definitely just, it got even more disappointing than season one did. Mm. That's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. Uh. What are you doing, Bones? Come on. It wasn't supposed to be like this. Let's talk about, is this the third Bones show? Then, this is the third Bones about? show, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, this the is good one. My Hero Academia, which is good. It's super good. It's like the last two things we talked about, because it's about superheroes, but it's good. It, wow, they really are doing a lot of, like, superpower stuff this season. They sure are. Yeah. But, um, My Hero Academia is about, um... It's about superhero school, basically. Yeah. It is... I mean, it, it is the story of... It's the story of Izuku, who is a kid born into a world where, more or less, like, it seems like half uh, of all people... Uh, eventually develop superpowers. I think 70% is the number they give. 70%? Yeah. Okay. So, mo- so most a, people... A hu- a, most people end up developing these superpowers. Yeah. And he has been so excited about superheroes since he was a kid. Yeah. He basically looks up to Superman. Yeah. Or this, you know, the anime equivalent of Superman. But he learns that he doesn't have a superpower. I think it's important to note that he's not the anime equivalent of Superman because he's very all-American. He's, pre- he's presented as a comic book hero. All Might is a comic book hero because also he's like, he is shaded like an American Yeah, comic like book very hero. heavy, like pitch black shading. Yeah. And he is a kid with no superpower, and this story is about him slowly discovering his own unique idea of power yeah. and sort of growing up. Because uh, there's, there's a plot, like the first big plot event that happens is we find out that All Might's power can be inherited, and he's going to give it to Izuku. And that sounds like a cop out. But it, he doesn't have full control of the power at first. Yeah, the, it, it's basically you still have to learn how to use it. You don't yeah. just get the thing. So even though it starts out, it looks like it's going to be fun. Like, oh, it's going to be a story about a kid who wants to be a hero, even though he doesn't have it in them. Even after he gets the power, it still kind of ends up being that story. Yeah, it's. I think it's a good story because it shows a person who's unsure of himself. Yeah. But refuses to back down regardless. Yeah. It's, it's very much that sort of shonen story of, like, the kid who just will not give up no matter what. Yeah. And, it's a, it's and it a does a really character. good job with it. Probably the best that any, like, super big shonen series has done. I Yeah, I think they, um, they do a really good job of uh, portraying his lows. Because I think one thing that shonen so shows, a problem that they often run into is that uh, they want to make their main character super powerful. So, no, not, that's not what I was going to say. But it's about making them... But uh, that's also a thing. Yeah, definitely. But it's about... What I was going to say is it has to do with angst. Like, they always portray the sad moments in a way that is just... People can't really relate to. Like, in just okay, a and, very... And his is super normal. Yeah, and just, a lot of shows, or a lot of anime and manga over... Like, make it too dramatic when someone is sad. And that just makes it all the less real. And Izuku's sadness and is very super real. real. Yeah, it's great. Basically, he sees himself as useless. As a big loser. Because he doesn't have a power, and he is bullied for it. Yeah. And, like, it's just him, you know, coming to terms with the fact that he is his own person. And he's going to beat the shit out of his bullies. Yep. And it, it does imply that he's going to do that, because we're on episode six. We're on episode six. And episode six is in the middle of a, um, like a, a test. training sort of thing. Yeah. Like a test where he is uh, up against his bully mm-hmm. from a high school. Middle school. Or middle school? Yes. Middle school. Yeah. 
and basically, uh, his bully is super fucking mad because he was supposed to be the only kid who got into super uh, superhero school. Yeah. And uh, from his, from that school, he was the only person from that school that was supposed to get into the superhero and school. And from his perspective, uh, Izuku is shit garbage. Yeah. And a wiener who doesn't deserve anything. And now Izuku's as good as him, and that's ridiculous. It shouldn't be like that. Yeah. And I, it's just a, it's a very strong shonen series that is, I think, moderately stymied by the fact that it is really taking its time compared to a lot of other shows. The show has, a, like, the series has a weak opening. The manga does too. And it's only gonna get better from here. Yeah, I can only imagine as things get introduced that it can get better. Yeah. But I think it does better than a lot of shonen series because it does take its time. Yeah. It's not concerned with you getting straight into the action. It's concerned with you knowing these characters. Yeah. So that when the action happens, you care. You know what this series does? I mean, I guess not yet, but it will. Um, it introduces a group of 30 characters that are all really distinct and interesting, and you care for all of them, and they're all good and then they get on a bus. Yeah. No, but uh, a school bus, that is. Yeah, right. Because they're going on a field trip. No, but, um, yeah, My Hero Academia is... It It definitely, I think, uh, popularity-wise, might get burned on that a little bit because the people who would watch it, like the Naruto fans, etc., yeah. aren't going to like how slow it goes. And they aren't going to like that there isn't a proper Sasuke to latch onto. Very little action happens. Yeah, definitely. Um. But also, I mean, it it does. You say there's no Sasuke, and that's what I understand. But they are definitely building up characters that act in the same role. Yeah, but but are treated much differently. Yeah, you, you don't get the same perspective on them, and that's good. Yeah, because his uh, bully Katsuki is. I don't. Right now, you you're not. I don't think you're supposed to like him. He, yeah, he's like Sasuke and like early Neji. Uh, combined with the the enthusiasm, with zero of the, angst. Yeah, combined with the enthusiasm of the dog dude from Naruto. Yeah, he Kiva. It seems like he is just there to be a villain. Yeah, pretty much. He is not. He doesn't have a dark backstory that makes him, you know, like mysterious or explain his. He's just an asshole. He's just an asshole who blows things up. And I think that's okay. Yeah, I think it's okay that his rival is just an asshole, and eventually they'll probably have like an uneasy friendship. Yeah, probably. And the show looks really good too. It's it's a fantastic looking show. It def like from what I've seen of the manga, it it is faithful to that style. Yeah, the manga is interesting because um, usually when a, a, a manga gets published in Shonen Jump, it is it'll be the first the the first manga by that author. Uh, but this author is actually already a little bit older. He's in his thirties. But despite that. The manga's art style develops a lot, and it develops really fast. Like, even across early volumes, the art style changes, it changes a lot. Hmm. And the series has sort of managed to adapt that without making it feel... Without making it look strange. Okay. Yeah. Which I think is neat. And the other kid characters that they focused on, like Ochako and uh, Tenya... Yeah. They're great. They are so good. The, like, main... There are some great dynamics to these characters that I feel like are apparent in other shonen but are treated in a way that I think gives them more room to breathe and a better um, setting for them yeah. to really show what they're about. I think I think they're fairly different. Uh, like, how often is, like, the the upright, studious character part of, like, the very, very core group of characters? Like, usually no, that's I'm, a No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that they are 
they, they are not breaking new ground in terms of their tropes. Yeah, sure. They are breaking new grounds in terms of their representation and the yeah. way that they are treated. Because Ochako is just the plucky, the plucky young girl. Yeah, totally. But she's got she's got her own thing going on. She's got her powers, and she acts like that sort of person would. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. All of these characters so far, pretty believable characters. Yep. Also, the subs are really good with the first episode where uh, Mount Lady jumps in. Like is like kneeling down towards the camera. It's like nice to meet your ass acquaintance. Yeah, this is good. What did they do with the dub for that again? There, there's some really classic. Uh, there's there's some really good, um, like I think uh, localization going on. Yeah, there. I didn't listen to the dub. Okay, yet. Um, there is. I wonder what they're going to do with one other character because there is a lady later on who in the manga is whenever she's colored, it basically appears like she has her breasts out. And I wonder if they're going to use that same color scheme, basically, where it looks like her chest area is just skin-colored for the anime. I wonder if they can Wait, get is away that with the, that. Wait, is that the um, the hero with the ponytail? Uh, no. Because we already have one of the students who has sort of, like, the big, uh, like, middle window on their body. No, 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 not that one. No, okay, it's, that's it's a, this is a different, different character. Yeah, it's one, of the, it's one of the teachers, actually. Okay, it's, I wasn't it's sure. an adult, okay. at least, thank God. Yeah, uh, I think her name's Momo. This is the girl with the, like, weird cutout What's her on power? her chest. Um, she's the one with, like, the, the one single, um, lock coming down. Uh, I don't remember her. I don't think she, they've talked about her quirk yet. Oh, no, it's definitely not she's, her. She's got, like, the huge back. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah now I know. No, it's not her. Um, it's way worse okay. than that. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so we'll see how that goes. I'm just. But I feel like that, that's, like, sure, it's based on American superheroes. This is super. America. It's way, yeah. And it's portrayal of superheroes and their costumes yeah. and stuff. And I think that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's a really nice touch that lets it stand out, in fact. Is how heavily based in sort of, like, American heroics it is. Yeah, definitely. Everyone gets one power. Yeah. And that's it. And they're all, like, quirky. Yeah, they're all... Yeah, there's definitely very little they in the like way They all, like, serious of, downsides. Yeah, it's not. It's very little in the way of, oh, this person can just chew fire, or this person can just, like, whatever. It's all right. very out there for the most part. Like, the guy who can shoot guy, a laser out guy of his turns belly button. Izuku turns major buff. Yeah, and there's a guy who can shoot a laser out of his belly button. Yep. And so people just have kind of, like, lame, or not lame quirks, but... I hate that kid, by the way. No, he's good. Please. I hate him in his stupid face. No, no, I, I keep saying that, but, like... I appreciate that he is that character. It's just so, the way that he is constantly drawn is just like... Is it his that, chubby smile? Is that what you hate? Yeah, it's the chubby yeah, smile. Yeah, it's the chubby smile. It's the chubby smile and the fact that he's always mugging the camera. Yeah, he did. that's a running guy. Every he's always looking at the camera. Is him mugging the camera. Even if it and makes like, no, no it, sense. Is, like if it's a satellite a great, shot. It, it makes no sense because there shouldn't be cameras there. Yeah. <laughs> but it's... it. No, no, he's an entertaining I character. It's just one of those characters that's like... I love to just be like... Right. Look at that smug <laughs> asshole. That kind of thing. Yeah, okay, sure. My architecture is really good. I'm I'm really happy that I ended up picking it up because I'm happy too. I'm not I feel like the way that American superheroes are portrayed is one of those things I'm not really into. And maybe I'm just more into the way that it is filtered through anime. Because like <laughs> I kinda I I had a pretty good time with Tiger and Bunny. Oh yeah, totally. And stuff like that. And like and this has that same sort of vibe where it's like we're taking these American superheroes and re recontextualizing them. I just think that might just be um, uh, for reasons of like the filter because if something is going to get an anime, it's probably good. 
so Tiger right. and Bunny is good. My Hero Academia is good. And there's more good superhero comics than there's superhero anime, probably, but that's just because there's more superhero comics. There's just so many. There's so many, and just by rule of logic, a lot of them are going to be bad. Right. And how are you going to supposed to find out which ones are good? Uh, well, listening to listening to a podcast, yeah. maybe. But I mean, with anime, it's just here's the two superhero anime. Guess what? They're both pretty good. Watch them both. Yeah, basically. Well, and then there's Concrete Revolution, oh, which is in... man. Also, cool idea for superheroes, though. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so let's... We're gonna do a quick lightning round section. Yeah. Because this is all short. This is all short. Oh, is it? I didn't even know that. Uh, all four of the next ones are short. Okay. So, Panda Peas. Uh, Panda Peas is a show about uh, a couple of girls... Bread buddies. Yeah, becoming uh, friends based on how much they love bread and additional dough food. Dough-based food. Um, which is way off my alley. Like, that sounds like exactly the anime for me. Um, but it's uh, just a little too precious and moe for me to be able to enjoy, is the thing, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. characters are just, like, a little too cute, too overwhelmingly cutesy, so... Okay. Yeah, and that's that, basically. Uh, Tonkatsu DJ Agataro. Six episodes in, uh, maybe one of the best shorts. Okay. Tonkatsu DJ Agataro is about a kid who works in a pork cutlet tonkatsu shop mm -hmm. uh, under his dad. He hates it. He, he wants to be a kid. He wants to go party. Yeah. One day, he gets uh, sent to deliver to a club, to a bodyguard. And the bodyguard's like, hey, you want to you come into the club? And he walks into the club, and he has this spiritual experience <laughs> with a guy DJing, who talks in, like... <laughs> he... The... There are, like, uh, subtitles in there that are just, like, fly across the screen in the original anime. They're just, like, kind of, like, urban slangy American. Uh -huh. And underneath are, like, translations for, like, more typical uh, speech. Do those also fly across? No. Oh, that's a shame. Those are, those are just for Crunchyroll. Okay. And there's, like, a, like, as the things fly across, he's speaking in English and there's a Japanese voiceover for it. <laughs> But uh, he has the spiritual experience where he realizes that the same tools that go into making tonkatsu go into being a really good DJ. Oh, shit. So he decides to become the first tonkatsu chef DJ. And just the exploration of this kid, like, learning how to DJ and learning how things coincidentally between cooking pork and DJing are the same. Yeah. And it's just, like, a fun, goofy romp. Like, it's done by Studio Dean, and the art style's, like, really weird. Yeah, this is the one with the ab abstract, like, sort of children's Yeah, it's very, style, like, right? children's-ish. Like, you could see it, like, on Nickelodeon yeah. sort of style. But it's it's just goofy, and it's charming in a way, and that it's just this kid is, like, just, like, learning how to be excited about stuff. <laughs> Great. He's, like, really excited about becoming a DJ, and he's really excited about learning how cooking is going to get him. There. Oh, man, that sounds really good. Like, there's a point where he's, like, he's, like, he's got to pickle some vegetables. Uh -huh. And so what he does is he puts his hand in and rotates it, and his, his dad's like, you got to rotate it, you got to rotate it 33 and a third times one way and 45 turns another way. It's like, that just plays into the stupid, like, RPM for, like, you know, DJ sets. <laughs> there's a part where he, like, fucks up because a girl he likes comes in during his, his first DJ set. Uh -huh. He actually turns off the audio, but his teacher has, like, given him this thing that's just the sound of pork cutlet, but, like, cooking. Uh -huh. That he can use as a transition from that into, like, this, like, record he's pulled out that starts out with rain, so it's, like, the similar sound. Okay. It's just, it's a super charming, goofy series. 
Nice. And it's and it's like eight minutes long. It's just it's just fun. Cool. That sounds good. Yeah. Now Rainbow Days. Uh, Rainbow Days. Which is a continuation of a show from before. Yeah. Um my energy for this show just kind of ran out. I was always kind of okay. like, eh, about it. Halfway on it? Yeah, because it seemed, it, it's a good premise, uh, just kind of like, there's just standards of quality that you expect from storytelling that just, that just, this show just doesn't have. And okay. that's kind of, and I, that, the manga as well. And that's just kind of what has always bummed me out about it. So it's not just a, a an adaptation issue. No, definitely not. This is Because I feel like you definitely can get that with the idea of short anime not having enough time. Yeah. With different series? Uh, no, I, I definitely don't think that's the problem. I think they get enough time okay. out of it. Because it's not, it's not, it's 14 minutes, so it's not super short. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I think, I think pacing isn't really the problem. It's just, it's just the storytelling. Yeah, there's just a lot of weird beats in the storytelling that you can feel that this is the first manga this person has written after they got off of hentai. Okay. Um, I think that might not be true, actually. I think this person may have written a lot before this, but that's what it feels like. The story, okay. yeah, the story's just kind of all over the place, and it was fun at first, but I, I just, I've just had my fill of it. All right, that's fine. Yeah, sometimes that happens. Yeah, you did that with um, my love story too. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, well, I was more pos- positive about my love story, I think. But it's, it was definitely like by halfway through, it was like you know, I think I've seen all I need. To. Yeah, but I think that's not really the case here because it's not because the show is pretty plenty varied and my problem with my love, love stories that I feel like it was getting too samey at Same. a certain point. Okay. That's not this show's problem. It's just that sort of yeah, just the fun I've been able to have with it has run out. Okay. Yeah. And there's also just too much other stuff I want to watch. Yeah, I mean this season's pretty good. It's packed. Yeah. It's just got tons of stuff. It does. And tell me about Usakami. Oh my god, Usakami is so good, dude. Which you just learned about thanks to me. I knew about it. I, I well, just, you knew about it. You forgot, I about, forgot it. about it. I reminded you. Yeah. So Usakami, let's real quick. Um, side story to TQ. Yeah. Which is the frantic two minute uh, comedy about some girls in the tennis club who never play tennis. Yeah. Now tell me about Usakami. Okay, so Usakami is uh, fairly different from TQ actually. Um, but it's about a rival tennis it's club. It's about a rival tennis club. And the ways in which it's difficult and different is it's de- it's the same style of humor, definitely. But um, it's slower paced. Like, literally, characters talk slower, so that means there's less jokes in every episode. But it also means that there's room for more long-form jokes. Uh, and also for just, like, a more actual structured story in every episode. And I think I like it more because of that. Um, it's not quite as, like, mile-a-minute sort of weird jokey. yeah. So that way you do still run into the problem of when a joke doesn't hit, it's not like in TQ where like the next three jokes have already happened before you can think about why you didn't like <laughs> that joke. Right. Um, but I think that I think more jokes hit on average in this show. Uh, it, okay. it's just, it's just really funny. I think it has, uh, characters bounce off of each other better than in TQ. There's more, cause in TQ there's four different characters and I couldn't really tell you what the difference between the four was except for one of them's the really zany one, the other three not so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, this show definitely doesn't have their problem. It's more like one of them's the really zany one, one of them's kind of the lazy one, one of them's the in-between zany one, and then the other one's like the perfectly normal one. There's more... <laughs> that's like, it basically... I They, they feel varied. Um, mm-hmm. I think it, it's more animated than TQ, I think. It's It's got a different style, too. It's very crayon Yeah, it's very crayony. It also... And I think that's better for this sort of limited animation style as well. I think it looks a lot better than TQ. Do they still just kind of, like, move around like they're on popsicle sticks? Yes. Uh, but I think there is uh, more just motion frames in the show than there are in TQ, that I want to say. Okay. Um, 
So it looks like it was double the budget. Yeah, and there's also like an actual story arc in this show, um, which is, you can take that or leave that, but it allows for a, it was some really good recurring gags between different episodes, which, which TQ doesn't really have. For mm -hmm. example, at one point, uh, they're going to do tennis practice, and all what two characters start doing is they start holding their racket behind their head and then basically doing crunches while saying Death Requiem over and cool. over again. And then later there's an episode where they get a coach, and the coach is like, all right, start your training, and then they start doing it again. And then the teacher <laughs> starts giving them tips on how to do it better. Uh, and obviously that's way more funnier, funny if you see it than if I tell it to you, but... No, but it's good. Yeah, it's just it's it's funny. It's different than TQ, but I think it's um it's still really better good. for it. Yeah, I think it's better for I think, it. But... I, I think if you tried to be the second TQ, it would not nearly hit as strong. Yeah, as initial TQ. Yeah, uh, bad opening and ending. They're like just the most generic idol music you mm. can imagine. Like wait, um, if I give you the prompt idol synth, then you probably know exactly the sound that is very prevalent in both the OP and the ED. Okay. Yeah. But that's like the one that one complaint I have about the show. It's really is really good. It's really funny. That's cool. Yeah. I'm 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 glad to hear that. Again, I haven't gotten back to TQ after like marathoning the season one and just being like completely baffled yeah. by it. Yeah. I I really want to go back to that and it sounds like Uzukame is maybe like a more restrained version of that. Yeah. And that seems cool. It's cool. I do like the art style. It, yeah, really it, nice. it, it looks nice. You know what else looks it's nice? It's nice to see that they got to take... You know what else looks nice? The Macross Delta. Yeah. Macross Delta is like... So, I feel like I have a different experience than the people who would have watched Macross before this. If you liked Macross before this, you probably hate this show. I can imagine that. That, that seems to be the opinion. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Because... Macross, as far as I understand before this, a lot more heavy on dramatics and sort of like singular character stories. It's Gundam for cool it, people. It's, it is Gundam, but based around like, not exactly idols, but performers of like ballads and stuff. That's, that's only this season, right? That's not what it was before this. No, it was always, it was always about songs. Oh my god, I didn't know that. It was always a, it was always a cross between music and that, but it was more like singular, like. Oh my. Is that why it's called Macross? Is it music across? That might be. Oh my god. But, so it's, it's it was much more about, like, say, like, a, a, a pop idol instead of a Japanese idol. Okay. Or, in the case of one of the Macrosses, it's just like a, a shitty rock band with a guitar. All, to, all, to be fair, all I really know about new about Macross is that, like, the way they animate missiles. That's really all I know. Yeah. And so, Macross Delta... I think maybe for the fact that it is 2016. Yeah. And the last one came out in 2006. I guess. They've they've tried to make it for a new audience. Yeah. And they do that by just making it about a, a five-person idol group. Yeah. And, like, honestly, it doesn't feel that different. It, it doesn't feel that different to me as someone who hasn't watched the other ones. Mm -hmm. Because it's basically just they've had to get more people for whatever is going on. Because some Across Delta is about interdimensional like there's this issue where basically a zombie uh, virus ha is sort of spreading through space oh god and the way and the way that it is fought is specifically the these characters have like a resonance to their voice that calms it okay and so they do like concerts and stuff to help calm it across the galaxy mm -hmm. 
And it's about this girl named Freya who comes from a, um... I'm not... I'm gonna try to use as few, uh, like, uh, terms from this series as possible because a lot of them are weird and goofy. Uh-huh. She comes from another planet where she resonates differently with music than everyone else because she has, like, a... She has, like, a, a resonator built into her body, like, in her hand. Yeah. And she wants to join, and she meets up with a dude who works, like, maintenance jobs because he just can't stick to any job at a time, who ends up uh, following her around and ends up joining as part of the Air Defense Force group that that works alongside the idols. Each idol has a pilot that flies a fighter jet around to fight off villains. Okay. Because, like, they're doing these... Uh, it turns out that there's, like, an intergalactic war going on between the people who think they deserve more out of, like, an intergalactic treaty that turn- that happened some years ago and basically the rest of the world. You- and the rest of the world kind of backs these idols because they're the ones that keep this virus from going off while the songs of the people they're fighting, like, enhance them. Okay. And it's... It is... It is in the same way that any idol series is. It's kind of trashy. Yeah. But it is... I think it's a lot of fun. Alright. Because, like, the the thing about the main dude, um, Hayate, he's like, he he doesn't find interest in anything because, like, he just hasn't found that thing that gets to him. Yeah. But, like, he really enjoys music, and so when he's in, like in the beginning when he's like in his worker mech doing construction work or whatever he's like dancing along to music <laughs> in his mech like it's some cool stuff like the CG's kind of the but like there's a lot of fun to have that and then when it comes to fighting like the the fighter jets can turn into mechs like actual w- moving robots right. and he dances in that too as he's like shoot gunning shit down cool it's just it's a, it's a goofy sort of fun that like Occasionally dips into the side of like weird fan service that all idol things are plagued with. Oh man! But focuses more on these characters figuring out where they belong in a world. Okay. Because it turns out that Freya, the main girl, belongs to the race of people that are starting this war, and she's seen as like a betrayer because of this. Because she wants to, she. So this is in the same universe as every other Macross. Yeah. She has listened to the music of every other person who's done like the macross thing the the fighting through music yeah and she wants to be part of that she wants to make a big difference in the world and she starts to have these issues where she can't figure out if she you know her loyalty is with what she wants to do or who she is and so there's stuff like that that builds into it and it's like it's kind of dumb dramatics there's there's a lot of goofiness to it but i find it really charming okay and, yeah, I I feel like if you liked Macross before, this is going to be very divisive. I don't know. I like. I thought this was going to be super divisive because I didn't know Macross was about music. But, I mean, yeah, idols. Yeah. And, the, you know what? I I think the songs that they make are really good. Okay, cool. They, they're not, like, the same sort of very, like, heavy, synthy sort of idol stuff. Uh-huh. It's a lot more of that, like, sort of, like, piano and horn sort of, like, pop right. kind of yeah, feel. Right, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. You you definitely get a lot more of that, and I think that's a thing that really helps it stand out. Is it's it's musically very distinctive. Cool. As far as I understand, like all all but one of the voice actors also does the songs for them, and they're going to like be a proper idol unit and like do tours <laughs> and like put out albums. Oh jeez, I'm glad. This is kind of neat. I'm glad. This is this just seems like one of those things. It's 
it's goofy, and maybe some people see it as irreverent, but it's fun. One of the guys, and, like, the names are really silly, like, uh, you have, like, Freya and Hayate and all this, and then one dude's just named, like, Keith. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> like, there are these weird, like, things that kind of, like, they're, like, Keith is part of, like, the villain army, but he also hangs out with people who are named Theo and Zhao <laughs> and Ernest. Like, there's a weird sort of, like, setting to that. Like, there's a, it's interesting. It's interesting and fun, and if you can get past sort of, like, the skeeviness that comes with idols. Yeah. It's, it is, it is, uh, I think it's just a lot of fun. Cool. Also, they call it a spacey because it's like an army and, or a navy, but in space. <laughs> just, just so you know. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, so that's, that's that. That's Macross. All right, like sounds it. good. It's on episode six. You can't find it streaming anywhere because of, uh, rights issues, but, um, you can, you can well, buy the Blu-rays to watch it. Or you can steal it. Oh, don't do that. Spa- this, then the Spacey is going to come get you. <laughs> if you like it, like maybe import the Blu-rays. They come with English subtitles. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of which, Death Parade Blu-ray update still not out. It's fucked come up. Come on, Funimation, please. You know what's not fucked up, though? What? Tanaka-kun is always listening. No, this, the only thing that's fucked up about the show is how unbelievably good it is. Okay, tell me about Tanaka-kun. Because when I see this, I think... Oh, it's a school animal. Yeah, um, the the setup is basically Tanakun. Tanaka-kun is the kind of person who's just always like super tired and just wants to just wants to hang out and go to sleep, and he doesn't really want to bother with anything else. Relatable. Yeah, and just based on that setup, I thought it was going to be like a really sleepy, low energy show, just kind of walking through its premise for thirteen episodes. Not on Bayori. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Sure. Um, but it's actually, like, fairly high energy with a lot of, like, really good jokes that they put a lot of effort into making sure they work. It's, it's good, man. It's super good. Um, there's just a a great cast of characters. You have Tanaka himself, who's just, like, he's super tired all the time. He's just, he's so dedicated to being tired that it's really, it's funny. Then you have his best friend Oda, who is sort of, like, his guardian angel. Doesn't doesn't he have like a uh, sequence in the first episode where he's like that feeling of uh, like laziness and regret and the fact that everyone else is working really hard during this study session I'm sleeping I want to achieve that he's just like super into falling asleep and being sleepy forever uh, a little bit yeah there's definitely a while where he he's impressed with the <laughs> how how lazy he is yeah but what I do think is good about the show is that it does have an overriding sense of this is not okay and he shouldn't be like this. Because okay. uh, the narration, or I guess not the narration, but I guess the fourth wall stuff, not the fourth wall breaking stuff, but the stuff that's just there for the audience, just shits on Tanaka constantly. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's like... Uh, but his friends are kind of enablers. Yeah, there's Oda who's like super enabling. He's always like helping him to be as lazy as possible. He carries him between classes, stuff like that. Um... There's this girl, Miano, who, like, looks up to Tanaka and wants to be just as listless as him, but she's, like, this super overexcited little girl character, so she just can't do it. Um, there's Etchison, who is, like, the, the, um, the tomboyish girl. And then there's, uh, another girl whose name escapes me for, at the moment, who is, like, the, the super, like, the popular pretty girl. Except it turns out that, uh, like, being, pretending to be that is, like, really heavy for her. Because really she's kind of, like, this shy, insecure, nerdy person who prefers to just, like, let it all, just let it all loose and not put effort into anything. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And it's like, yeah, it's it's another one of those things that it's hard to describe without telling you individual jokes. Okay. Um, but but they hit. But they hit, lot. man. There are so many. It's pro- It's one of. The, it's honestly one of the funniest animes I've ever seen. Is it like joke heavy? Like, is it is it basically just one joke into another into another? No, it's another? definitely not that. There is a lot of just slice of life stuff going on. But it, okay. it's it's um. It's not like Kaon where like f- stuff happens that is funny and makes makes you chuckle. Like they are actual jokes with like a setup and a punchline and oh, stuff. Oh right, I get that. I get that there are jokes to it, but I'm asking is it is it constantly trying to be like a a machine to give you laughs? No, totally not. Okay. There is so okay. they're pretty few and far between. There's a lot of downtime. Yeah, there's a lot of just okay. like regular slice of life stuff going on all the time. Okay, cuz the with the density I thought you were saying, it seems like is one of those things that happens to just like roll from joke to joke no in a very lazy or like not lazy but like loose style yeah no as all the jokes they're just all good and that's why i said that the only jokes that i think are not good or at least the ones that just don't work for me are the ones where a character reacts to something stone-faced and i think that's just a mm-hmm. localization problem because you read the entire subtitle in one go and then the character has to keep saying it for a couple seconds and then for yeah maybe. for me it's like oh the joke's already over please stop <laughs> um, but all the other, yeah, it's just, it, it's just super good. It's got a great, it's got a great sense of humor. It's charming. All the characters are good. It looks really good too. It's, it's the whole package. It's anime of the year contender, okay. I think. Cool. Yeah. Glad to hear. Yeah. Let's see. Um, next up, I'm going to talk about Kumiko. Girl Meets Bear. Girl Meets Bear. It's, uh, it's on like episode six or seven. I I dropped it after four. Okay. And Kumamiko is weird. Yeah, it so, is. So um, it so one weird thing is that it's released. It's a late night anime. Uh huh. And you realize why in the first episode. Yeah. The first episode's second story is about how myths are often like cleaned up for children's stories. Uh huh. And it is. It is just about how a bear totally, uh, like, gave cunnilingus to a woman and learned how to speak, and that's how their village was found. <laughs> like, there was this whole, there's this whole, like, sacrifice thing where they have to sacrifice a maiden and then they have sex, and turns out that the bears can speak and they live in harmony afterwards. Yeah. But the actual story is about a girl named Machi, who is a shrine maiden for this village that, uh, bears and humans live in harmony, and she's she just doesn't like that. She she is a modern girl, and she wants to go to high school in the city. Yeah. And have friends like that and not hang out with the weirdos who live in her village. Mostly old people. There aren't a lot of people her old age, people which is old really bears. Big deal. Yeah. And uh, so her bear guardian, um, <laughs> Natsu, is, is like, okay, well, I'm going to give you several tests in order to see if you are ready to live in the city. Yeah, and stuff like quiz quiz things about like just things in the city, like how subways work, uh-huh. which has a joke that's untranslatable but only works because I know what the Japanese word for melon is. Okay, and uh, and like things like oh, you know, it gives one of those like weird abstract uh, company symbols, like the it's it's like a one zero one zero. Uh-huh. It's like oh, how do you pronounce this? Like it'd be yo yo, and it's like no, it's like. Kanakawa, you know, productions. Like, how was I supposed to know that sort of, like, that sort of comedy? Very, like, reactionary. Yeah. And I think sometimes it works. Like, it has some decent jokes in it. Uh-huh. 
there's there's one where like su- surprisingly Machi is really excited about doing like this ceremonial dance to sort of like appease the the spirits that watch over the village. Yeah. But when it starts, she puts in like a like a Pilates or like a like a like an exercise tape mm-hmm. and starts doing the exercise along with it, and it starts like it starts looking like it's ready to storm because this is like you know. Um, because this is like blasphemy, more or less. Right. And so uh, Natsu comes up, is like, "Stop that! You're 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 displeasing the gods." And so it's like, and so it's like this. Um, Machi's like, "This is really boring, though." And Natsu goes, "Okay, well, we'll try to modernize this." And basically, he like pulls out this turntable out of nowhere and starts doing like this heavy remix <laughs> of like the the shamisen music yeah. that they're supposed to be dancing to, and she just like can't keep up and just like spins and like hits a tree. It's like, well, maybe that's too extreme. Let's just do the normal one. And that, and then, you know, that's kind of the whole sketch. Like that, there, the way it's done is really well. Yeah. Like the way it, it plays with sort of Wanna these, try like, again with ancient... that sentence? <laughs> no. Okay. But like it, it blends ancient, like this sort of like ancient tradition idea with the modernization and it, it handles that really well, which is what I kind of hoped the show was going to be. Yeah. Is sort of like Country Bumpkin tries to ex- experience real life. Okay. But like, it does a little too much of like the male gazy sort of stuff. Oh. And not like super sexualized, but you can tell that there was like that sort of feeling behind it. That is definitely anime original then, because I don't think there's a lot of that in the manga. It's not like male gazy in that there's this whole segment where they do like a. She tries on different shrine outfits. Okay. And like they're all made by the old dudes in the country. And you can tell that they're like. Not super sexualized, but they sort of have those, like, weird kind of, like, fetishy sort of things where, like, the shoulders are showing and half the back is missing kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, okay. That kind of thing. It's not... So, I guess male gazy isn't right, but it's got that uncomfortable feeling Right, to yeah, it. I totally get what you mean. Yeah. And by episode four, they introduce a character who, like, does not express herself, so she's violent, and that just... That, that killed me because I feel like in a manga, that sort of thing goes by a lot faster. Yeah. But it lingers a lot when it's an anime mm. in a way that I don't find comfortable. I, with yeah. like, it's not, it's not like it comes off as abuse, but it's like one of those violent sort of things that feels really out of place. And one of the characters is clearly like really distraught about it. Oh, and the no. other one just doesn't care. Yeah. That, that was definitely in the manga. <laughs> I remember that. So that. That's the thing that, that's the thing that like real, that eventually is like, yeah, this does done too many things that I don't like. I, yeah. I get that totally. So that's Kumamigo. Yeah. Uh, it's got a really good opening and ending. Though. Yeah, it does. I've heard the opening and it's good. And like, and the animation stuff too. The ending is really great because it's just like, it, it is a song where, uh, the Machi and Natsu are like just singing back and forth uh-huh. about their home life and it, uh, half of it is just like, uh, Machi complaining like there's no Wi-Fi cell, cell reception is shit. Kind of thing is like, yeah, but you got all your friends here. It's like, I guess I got you, bear friend. Oh. Kind of stuff. And then, like, the chorus is just, like, girl and bear, bear and girl, we're dancing. It's fun. <laughs> just, like, there's a really charming sense to that that I wish had been in the show. Yeah, okay. Final final stop, though. Yeah. And, who boy, it's been a long time coming. Let's talk about maybe the best slice of life I've seen this season. Okay. It's certainly really good. It is definitely. I like it a lot. And this is Flying Witch. Flying Witch. Which we're on episode six now. Yes. I've only seen episode, episode five. Okay. But, uh, so that's Flying Witch. And Flying Witch is... 
It is about a girl who moves to the country uh, who is a witch. And basically she moves there because she needs to go to high school because witches as like a commodity or like as a profession basically haven't hasn't panned out so well yeah. recently. So she's getting practical experience as well as learning how to do magic with her family. And that's that's kind of the whole setup. Yeah. Um, hey, that's not, it's, that's it's, uh, the setup. it's heavily defined. It's heavily defined by its cast. Yeah, that's the setup, but it's not really what the story is about. Right, the story is just is about it's about the cast and the main character exploring country life, yeah. as it were. And like, um, Flying Witch looks really good to start off. Oh, yeah, it does. I think it has a, it's, it has a stylization to it that makes really the environments pop out. It makes you feel like. They they really had an understanding of what their country city was. Yeah, be. it has very good background art, for sure. Yeah, for for sure. Um, the characters are nice, though. They have kind of a weird like, they have weird lighting on their nose. But other than that, I think that they are charming designs. Yeah, they have flat faces. Is the thing that I've noticed yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah, they're very flat faces, but I think otherwise it's like very nice. Like they they definitely build these sort of characters that would fit in the country, like the. Uh, the girl with the braids, the the red hair. Yeah, girl. I like all the clothing too. All the yeah, they they stuff. definitely have that feeling down. Like it's a lot of overalls. Yeah, and and a and lot stockings of overalls. The, yeah, a lot of overalls. <laughs> but um, it's it is a magical girl series in base concept only. It it feels a lot more like a like a teen witch or a Sabrina the Teenage Witch than like your Sailor Moon. Yeah, I didn't make the connection to Magical Girl at all. Yeah, like, but I, I'm saying it's it's about witches, but yeah. it, it treats itself more like a, like an American series about it. Yeah, I guess so. Because the magic is very low-key mm-hmm. and almost boring. Yeah, they don't sense. cast spells. It's all, like, weird preparatory stuff or, like, yeah. Yeah, it, like, like the, one of the spells they learn is, like, how to summon crows, because crows are magical. Yeah. And, like, the whole thing is, like, you have to set up this bucket and start a fire and then put it out in this particular way. And write your name on a paper and put that in it. And then a, a crow will come on your own. And then, like, episode six, there's one... You haven't seen this, but basically it's like... I'm not gonna... I'll, I won't do the punchline or anything, but basically it's like... You have, like, basic candy snacks that get put on this paper on, like, a like a, a, like a magic circle. And you have five, uh, five candles that all have to burn out at the same time or else the magic doesn't work. This very, like, low-key preparatory magic. Yeah. That I think makes it charming because it allows the characters to breathe while it's going on. It's not all just, like spectacle and flair. Yeah. And I, the characters that they build, I think, work really well together because they're all moderately different. Yeah. There's, because there's like, uh, so we have our main witch, Makoto. Mm-hmm. Shinatsu is like her niece or something? They're related in some way. She's her sister, I think. No, it's it's not, I don't think it's that close. It might be cousin. Okay. Because um, Kay is her cousin, the dude. Right. So, but, like, she's, like, she's, like, super into magic when she learns that it's there and always wants to see it. Yeah. And then we have, uh, then we have Makoto's sister, the, um, Akane. Yeah. Who's just kind of a bum. Yeah. Like, she just travels the world with her magic and that's all she does and she just hangs out at their house occasionally. But she's smart. To teach magic. She's smart. Yeah, she's smart and she's really good at magic. Yeah. And then you have, like, um, you have now who's the, who's the red-haired girl who's, like, just, like, completely baffled by, like, the magic stuff yeah. as it happens. And most of the other characters are, like, react to it really just kind of, oh, that's weird. Yeah, and she's just like, what? what? 
Like when, um, in the first episode when Makoto's like, I want to give you a gift for being my friend. And she goes into this yard and pulls out this just screaming mandrake <laughs> yeah. and tries to hand it to her. That sequence is so good because they also make the mandrake just like look super disgusting and weird. Like it's supposed to. Like the way it animates in pseudo 3D gonna is super feel uncomfortable. Don't say that about him. No, I love the mandrake. Yeah. But the way he animates and stuff is just like, it's kind of unsettling. And so the, the response to it is like, I, I don't want that is really, it really helps, you know, push that forward. Yeah. And it's just like, it's short vignettes about like occasionally interacting with magic. Sometimes they don't have anything to do with magic at all. Like when they, um, they pick vegetables, uh, off the side of the road and like make a uh, fried okra or whatever out of it. Yeah. But then occasionally like the, the, uh, like a harbinger of spring pops up yeah. and they just kind of talk about how magic Those works. Those are my favorite parts when the spirits show up, I think. I, yeah, I think just at, when when magic happens is really where it gets to show its charm because it's very different yeah. than, I think, a more popular sort of magical take. Yeah, totally. Because it's very low-key, it's very pre- preparatory. I just like the spirits because they're all like, they look good and they've got charming personalities. Yeah. And then, like, when they when they meet that fortune teller, who's also a witch, yeah. and it's like, for a year, she's had to deal with the fact that she got drunk and accidentally ate, like, a cookie that changed her into a fox person. Yeah. But only during the day. She's like an anti-werewolf. <laughs> and, like, that whole story is, like, it's charming because it plays into sort of the magical ideas. I don't know, I really I don't know like if I like that the, story. I don't know. I really like the handling, I guess, of its of its world. Yeah. More than anything else. Because it feels more real. It feels more grounded. Yeah, it does. It's... Because it's not just, oh, you get to do whatever you want. It's like, you can do all these things. And sometimes they're useful and sometimes they're just not. Yeah, sometimes they're not. Like, why would you ever have a cookie that turns you into a cat person? Yeah, just like weird, just like weird things that you can do. It's like, it's, it's magic. It's for fun. It's for practice. Yep. That's a good show. It's a, it's a good show. It just, it's... It's fun and it's quiet and it's just I don't know. There's there's just something about it that really, I guess it's that slice of life fan in me that just really feels charmed by the way it handles its characters and everything. Yeah, I like I like slice of life that actually has, um, I guess has its own bullet point to it. Something that's really really sets it apart. Yeah, because yeah, it has the magic. Yeah, exactly. Um, Good show. Oh, and uh, I guess before we go, I because I, I talked to a future friend about it, uh, I watched an episode of Big Order and realized I would much rather uh, read it than watch it, because it's glacial. I wouldn't do it. And also, it's only ten episodes? Oh. Like, like they're going to get through maybe the first story in this anime. Oh, that's bad, because the first story ends on a huge cliffhanger. Yeah, it's weird. It's super weird. And um, also, it, it seems like it's a really cheap or last minute production because they don't even have a website for it it's literally built into the future diary website oh, that's weird because it's been it was announced like a long time ago it's like future diary.co.jp slash big order <laughs> god <laughs> i don't know they might just be trying to crib off the brand maybe but big or- well i mean it's the same guy yeah, yeah i know right it has a really good cold open to it mm-hmm. where like it um in a way that the manga didn't, it kind of introduces the destruction of the world. Yeah. Kind of this narration, like, m- music that slowly gets better. It's like, as the kid wishes for the destruction of the world, like, 
shots that you saw earlier start cutting in different places, and then it shows that, like, if it cleaves a character's, like, head in half, it shows that character falling over with that piece of their head missing. Hmm. Kind of this very, like, destructive sort of, like, playing with animation. Yeah. Because the cells break, and then the world actually breaks with it. Very good sense of direction there. And the rest of it, I just don't think it works as well in animation. Okay. And also, I have garbage taste, so I like it. Yeah, you it. do. I normally, I wouldn't make. Normally, I would be very live and let live with other people's opinions all in anime. But I think no, there, there, there is definitely like a part of my brain that's still really into the edge, and not in a way that like I think, oh man, that's really cool. But I find entertaining and fun. Yeah. I hate Mirai Nikki, and I hate Big Order even more. Yeah, no, I totally get that, and I feel like if I ever looked at Mirai Nikki again, or you know, spent any time thinking about what happens in Big Order, I'm sure I'd hate yeah. it. I mean, at least big. At least Mirai Nikki has a, a story that makes sense. Big Order does not. It is complete garbage nonsense for babies. <laughs> this is this is this is my junk food. Okay, basically, this in is terms okay, of manga. But this is like the worst junk food. Okay, this is like that kind of stuff you see on like Reddit slash R slash Destroy Your Veins or something. I don't this know. Is, this is my Pepsi enema. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, actually. <laughs> Uh, don't please don't watch Big Order. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you have to be in a very specific sort of mind to enjoy it even a little bit. Yeah. And I feel like for the most part, maybe just don't. Especially since at least Mirai Nikki, the anime, like, ended this, this show. Like, it, it played the whole story out. Yes. And also Mirai Nikki is a lot more grounded in stuff. Yeah, it's just, well, Mirai, Mirai Nikki is a masterpiece compared to Big Order, I think. I... I get why Mirai Nikki is JoJo's if everyone had the best power in the world. <laughs> I get why Mirai Nikki is possible, even though I don't like it at all, uh, or why, it, why it's po- why it's popular until the end when it just like eats its own ass. Yeah, sure. I mean, the whole show eats its own ass. <laughs> well, no, but like you, there is a world that they've built, and it goes, and you go, okay, I get it, and then it gets to the like final arc. And it just like throws everything out the window. It's just like we've got we we've just got to go with the most twists per chapter. Yeah, and that's the shit I find like it's a train wreck, but it's a train wreck that I found entertaining to follow. All right, and Big Order's the same way because basically everyone has the most broken JoJo's powers, like the girl who literally can't die. or the guy who can literally just rewrite history within a radius. It's basically the the final portion of a playground fight that's gone out of control. Like a pretend playground yeah. fight. And I fucking love that, because no, no, I've got this power. <laughs> and they all top themselves in situations. There's that fucking dude who can just, who can, sl- like, swing his sword and slice through literally anything in planetary space. Like, he could be standing in fucking Asia, and he can just cut, you know, a, the, you know, a a tower in half in America. Uh. It's it's just so garbage and dumb. I love it. But it's... It, Big Order is also, like, a lot more edgier in the way that makes me uncomfortable, so I might easily stop. But... Okay, but... In a way that's different <laughs> from Mirai Nikki? Yes. Okay, that but... I don't know what that would be, but okay. Anyways, that's been our talk about anime this season. Yep. Um, I mean... Some of the shows that I expected to like really like burned out on me. Yeah. But I think overall, I've also come away with shows that I found more entertaining than I would have expected. 
I have a lot of shows that I like a lot this season, but I think also more a lot of shows that I really didn't like, like shows that I dropped because it was actively like. Ugh. Yeah, I can get that, and I think with like, are you like, are you thinking Concrete Revolution with that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think a lot of that is it's not so much it's a new show; it's just continuing on the things that you didn't like about season one. Yeah. But yeah, like Boongo Stray Dogs, I think for you. Yeah. It's a lot it's a lot more ugh than uh this season, which uh, with the bad shows, which I mean at least that means they're doing something, I guess. Yeah, I, but I feel like the the shows the shows that I have now curated for the most part are really good. Yeah. To the point where I was like, this is the shows that I ended up with are pretty good, and while the shows that I dislike are bad, and like really bad in a lot of cases. It's like, I, I feel like this is still a good enough scene. Mayuriga fits in both of those categories. Yeah, it's It's in a up, quantum really. state of being extremely watchable and being eh. Yeah, it's just... It's like Schrodinger's anime. Except it's... No, because yeah. it's, no, it's really obvious that it's bad, but... <laughs> um, my feelings on it are like Schrodinger's interest. <laughs> Schrodinger's excitement. The, the Schrodinger's anime of anime. Schrodinger's engagement is what it is. That's, yeah, that's how I feel about it. <laughs> Did you figure it out? Yeah. Alright. Oh. Well, any last words you want to say before we, uh, before we tie up here? Uh. Do we want to, like, give any, like, big recommendations for shows for people? Yeah, don't watch Big Order. <laughs> don't watch Big Order. Don't watch My Wing. Uh. Definitely watch Tonic Kakun, or at least give it a try, even if you think it sounds like it's not for you. Because the way you, the way you would describe it, the way you'd summarize it, isn't really representative of what the show is actually like. Yeah, I feel like if any of these things sounded interesting, you should give them a shot. Yeah. From whether or not we talked about them, because maybe, maybe you are the person who likes Bungo Stray Dogs, and that's fine. Totally. Maybe, maybe you're the kind of person that's going to be into uh, Panda Peace more, because you're into the Moe thing. Sure. The thing is, if anything we've said interests you, just go ahead. A lot of these are available for streaming and easy to find. I won't judge you for watching any of the shows we talked about. Maybe. Not even Big Order. I'm going to say not even Mayoiga, because we're in it for the long haul, Jordan. Yeah. At least it's only 12 episodes. Yeah, but I'm sure after this we're going to talk shit about it on Skype every episode. Yeah, definitely. I, it deserves it. It's everything that show deserves it's, and more. Mm -hmm. That show deserves... But what, what has Diamedia done before this? Like, just support uh, on Diamed other shows, right? No, Diamedia has handled... Like... F? A Tale of Memories... Which is like a, a visual novel. They've done a lot of like light novel adaptations, I feel. Oh, man. I think... Diamedia has done like... Uh, let's, let's look at this, his, this thing here. Uh, Squid Girl. Oh. Okay. Uh, Campion. Alright. Uh, looking through for... Oh, God, did they do... Um... God, did they do Akuma Riddle? Oh, oh no. They also did Sky, Witter Sky Wizards Academy, oh. and World Break, and Contai Collection, uh. and Cute High Earth Defense Club Oh. It's a weird list that's mostly bad. Yeah, that's mostly bad. So I think... Maybe they can't recover. I should have seen you this coming, actually. I, have I no can one always to hope for them to recover. I should have seen this coming. I have no one to well, blame Well, the thing is, like, if it's going to be original, 
then you have no idea That's how true. it's going to turn out. That's true, yeah. That's really the big thing, is, like, when it's original, you can't put the other work they've done really into... You can for, like, I think really strong ones. Yeah. But with Diomedia, they've also only been around for, like, less than ten years. Uh-huh. So you can't exactly be like, oh, you know, this is going to be bad. I feel. No, you're right. Because also the director's done some pretty decent stuff before. Like, you have the XXXHolic, you have Big Windup. You know, it's also got some garbage on there, like Blood Sea and Another, which kind of fit into the same sort of genre as my Uh, Yeah, yeah. But I think those... Again, it's one of those things I don't know because I've never watched it, but people seem to think it's more obvious that those are humorous than they are horror. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. All I know is that my egg is bad. Yeah. I shouldn't watch it. But some other anime? Maybe watch it. Maybe watch some other anime, yeah. I should definitely watch something else. Yeah, watch other... You know what? Anime's good. We said it. you should watch the good stuff. We said it. That's right. It's official. Fight us, TBH. Right. Yeah, so if... Hey, look. If you want to fight us about our anime opinions, send them via fan mail to TorpsawaySA-C-H-O-R-P-S-A-W-A-Y-S-A at gmail.com. Send us your address so we can come have a fair fight. Yeah, exactly. We don't we don't want to because if if you just send us like your opinions, we're just gonna like ignore them. We're, ro- <laughs> we're just gonna roast you on on the podcast, and you won't be able and that to wouldn't be fair. Yourself. Yeah, that wouldn't be fair. We do it, but it wouldn't be fair. Yeah. We'd feel bad, but we'd still do it because you know what? Fight us. No, but uh, I hope you had a good time because we had a good time for those like two and a half hours. We're closing in on three hours, real quick. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, I've been Chorpsway. And I've been Jordan. And me and Future Friend, probably, will see you next time for the Season in Review podcast. See you guys then. Goodbye.